GLES Eagle. Good evening, everybody. Well, uh, tremendously significant win for the Philadelphia Eagles tonight as they short circuit the high powered Miami Dolphins offense. And then they put it away with two well organized long drives in the second half. The Eagles win it 31 to 17. Right here, uh, a home game on Sunday Night Football. We're live at Ocean Casino. Welcome to the Pond Hockey Post Game Show. I'm Mike Missinelli with Derek Gunn and Seth Joyner and Mark Farzetta joining us on the panel uh, early on tonight. Uh, well, fellas, listen, uh, I, I did not expect the Eagles to really curtail the Miami Dolphins' high-powered offense like they did tonight. But they, they did it, and, and they, they shut them down, and, and they kind of – put a curb on Tyreek Hill tonight only 88 yards for Tyreek Hill I mean this is a big time win for the Eagles tonight D-Gun yeah there's no question they needed this game as a bounce back game you knew that game against the Jets was sticking in their craw um, because that's not like like the Eagles you know usually when the Eagles do something bad it's because they've shot themselves in the foot and man did it happen but they came back they had a lot Sunday night football against the five and one Dolphins um, people questioning the Eagles every week more and more about what this team is or is not. Could this Eagles defense, a passed-up defense with a bunch of kids in the back of the defense, somehow, someway slow down to Tyreek Hill and his high power? They answered all those questions tonight, and it was a perfect, it was a perfect storm for him. It got a little hairy there for a moment. A, a little bit, but yeah, we'll get into that and what happened in the fourth quarter, third quarter. But, Seth, you know, I thought the key like, for all Miami's passing acumen the key is that they have been able to run the ball, and that they didn't—they weren't able to run the ball at all early on. The Eagles said, no, "You're not running it up the middle like you've been used to running it." They shut that down completely, and I think it really screwed up Miami's offense and the balance. Well, there's a reason why the Miami Dolphins are the number one ranked offense, and then on top of that, they're the number one ranked offense because they're the number one ranked rush defense. So, you know, we talked about it in the pregame, D-Gun, yeah. and I've been saying all, all along that I think that there's a resurgence of the run game in the National Football League. You know, we talked about it. The teams with the best record in the National Football League, all of them ranked within the top 12 and record. The top three teams rushing the football in the National Football League in this order going into this game was Miami, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the 49ers. Now, the 49ers, we talked about that in the pregame as well. Once you took Christian McCaffrey out of the game, the play-action pass went away, and all of a sudden Brock Purdy looked very, very average instead of, you know, the boy wonder that, you know, has won all of his games. You know, tonight the Eagles took away Miami's run game, and all of a sudden their offense didn't look so explosive because once you take – the play action pass away because if you're not running the ball effectively then play action pass doesn't mean anything now the defense doesn't even have to honor it you know so and even with the eagles the eagles didn't didn't run the ball overly effective tonight but they were committed and they were more balanced and i think that's why their offense worked more efficiently tonight than it has been yeah now uh, of course farzi they had a couple of really 
great drives at the end of the third quarter and then and then after uh, an interception another big play by by Darius Slay who, who really frankly <laughs> I don't think that played a great game today but he was Johnny on the spot on that play as the Miami uh, Dolphins were driving down there Tua throws off his back foot he gets picked and then the Eagles eat up a lot of time with a big drive to put it away I it, thought it was key about 640 left and I know towards that Leading up to that interception, I know Seth had said it in our green room. I had been saying, I didn't feel like you were going to beat this Miami Dolphins team unless you were able to force a turnover, either a fumble or either an interception like that. You got the turnover on downs deep in their own red zone, but unfortunately Jalen Hurts threw his own interception. But Darius Slay was able to step up and once again be big play Slay in that instance. He took advantage of the opportunity, and then you got to give credit to not only the Eagles offense of being able to execute and get those first downs, but Nick Sirianni, and I guess to a degree there, Brian Johnson as well, being able to call those tush pushes, dial them up even when they were deep in their own territory, and continue to get those first downs. And then, what can you say? A.J. Brown. First off, Jalen Hurts staying in the pocket, hanging in there, knowing he was going to get contact, and still delivering that football downfield beautifully to A.J. Brown to reel that ball in for the reception. And then later they punch it in with Kenny Gainwell. That was clutch. And then D-line, the D-line throughout this game, provided the pressure the Eagles needed to make sure they stayed on Tua Tagovailoa throughout this game. Big bright spot there for the Eagles. Oh, it's the play of the game. It's A.J. Brown making that tremendous catch on the bomb uh, that got it to the eight-yard line. I mean, that play was covered. He went up and he snatched it. And this is five straight games now with 125 or more yards receiving, which is an NFL record. <laughs> I mean, he's been phenomenal, uh, and they couldn't handle him, uh, the Miami Dolphins secondary today. No, they couldn't. You know what, Mike? I don't know if you're aware of this or not. These two gentlemen here in the middle picked the Dolphins today. Oh, he had to bring that up. I just, I mean, we were mentioning it. You oh, mentioned God. it. I just wanted I mean, oh, come I'm, on. I, I mean, I'm, happy I'm just I'm saying wrong. is all. I don't mind being wrong. <laughs> I'm happy I'm wrong in this case. You know what? I, I like to admit yeah. when I'm wrong. Yeah. I don't need you wrapping me out. I'm sorry. I just thought I'd get you wrapping me out to a million viewers, okay? You know what? I'm going to store that away because it's going to come back. It's going to come back and home. It's not an outlandish prediction. When you look at how the numbers matched up in this game and the Eagles secondary being as depleted as it was, so what did you not expect to happen in this game that flipped the whole script on it? I mean, they kind of dominated the game by the end. So this is my take on it. So today, okay, this one team, I've been telling you guys they've been a fraud all along, okay? But today, we found out that there are two teams in the National Football League that have been really good through the first six games of the season that were exposed as frauds today. One of them was the Detroit Lions. I've been saying all along, I don't buy it. I'm not, still not buying it, okay? And they got blown out today. And then this game against the Miami Dolphins. Because with the offense that potent, you understand? With an offense that potent, with those weapons on that defense, on that offense, how in the world can a team that got beat by the Jets last week, how in the world do they come in here and, and only post, what, 17 points, 240 again? Here the Eagles defense goes again. 244 last week, 244 total total yards offense again this week okay so I did not expect for this defense to be able to step up and stop this high-flying defense the way that they did today so yeah I admit I had it wrong it really pained me right there to, 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 to pick to pick to pick against them but my football mind told me 
that there was no way that the Eagles were going to be able to stop this, especially with all the injuries and the new guys, the new pieces yeah. coming in and out. Yeah. But they figured out a way to do it, and hats off to Sean Desai for being able to get it done. See, here's what it came down to for me. Which team could control the ball to keep the other team off the field offensively? And when you look at how that Eagles secondary is patched up, I thought that was a bad place for them to be against all these tracksters that Miami has in their offense. But you look at the final numbers, Eagles offense had the ball 36-plus minutes to Miami's 23-plus. That was a huge difference in the game. Ball control, definitely. Keeping Miami's offense off the field was huge in this game in terms of they deciding the outcome of this game for the Eagles. Yeah, and you know what makes that prediction for us even more outlandish? They, they wore the, the – Kelly Green t- today at this game. Now, let J- Joe, can we can we show the picture? Let's flash this picture up. I, wa- I want to get it up early. Let's get the get the picture up. I want you to look at your screen now. And there it is. There's Kelly Green in all its glory. Kid there, play. There, there's there's Clyde and Eric Allen and, and, and Jerome and who's number fifty nine? I can't. I don't know who that is, but he looks good. And Reggie. And I, I look at look at this picture. Look at the smiley faces with the Kelly Green. You, they represented your error tonight, Seth. So what? I was supposed was I just supposed to abandon my football brain and go with the the moment? Well, you're wearing the Kelly Green little flower there. It's all good, and, you know, man. The whole <laughs> it's all good. All right. Well, you know what Seth did say? If he was playing with those guys tonight against that Dolphins team, they wouldn't have played because they would just had fines left away. They played for free. Played for is what free. he said. But yeah. you know what, Seth? To your point. When you talk about this, Sean Desai this week had talked about how physicality can slow down speed, how physicality can hurt speed. You saw it tonight but with this defense. That, it's exactly what you were saying. It's the same thing I'm saying. When you're playing finesse teams, you got to be physical with them. The more physical you are, the less they want to play. And then I also said that, you know, we talked about it in pregame, D-Gun and, and, and Farsi. I said that it's critical that the Eagles figure out a way to keep Miami below 10 possessions in this game. They had eight possessions in the game. I said they need to be around seven or eight in this game in order for them to win. You got to minimize those opportunities. The the thing I love about what the Eagles did on offense tonight is they had three drives, three drives of 12 players or more. That's huge. It's absolutely huge. You know, when you're playing against these high-powered offenses, you got to be able to control the time of possession. You got to control the clock and minimize the amount of possessions that the other team has and hope that you can get some sacks, cause some punts, get some turnovers along the way to help your offense. And, and the Eagles turned the ball over a couple times again uh, with Jalen Hurts. And, and so the Miami Dolphins had, a, had tied the game at 17 based on a, a touchdown interception by Jerome Baker uh, after a, a very weird uh, two bad breaks uh, that uh, the uh, Dolphins got on that series prior to it. But here's the drive. I thought the drive in the game was going to be the one that put the Eagles up 24-17 to 17 with 15 seconds left in the third quarter. Big plays there with a 25-yard pass to Devontae, which was a big play, and a third and seven to Goddard. Uh, but it turned out that the bigger drive was the one that would follow after they got the interception on Tua. They went 83 yards in 13 plays. Uh, and, and there were a couple tush pushes uh, in that series that got him first downs. That was c- completely key. I, I think that was the backbreaker for Miami. You know, Sirianni calls a timeout and decides to go for the tush push deep in his own territory. 
you know, that play, that play is virtually flawless. You know, the only thing you worry about is please don't fumble the, the exchange between center and quarterback. They never do. That play is flawless. That's demoralizing in itself. Then you do it a second time on the same series. You know, and the defense is going, what, what the heck are we supposed to do? But, Mike, I'll throw this at you, and I'll throw this at you guys as well. In hindsight, I think the biggest question of the night is this. How is it so well hidden that Jalen was hurt leading up to this game with all the media that tries to dig up information during the week? We find out that he got hurt in the Jets game. And nobody mentioned the fact that he's limping around the Novacare complex all week. And then we find out he's wearing a knee brace later in this game. That's, to me, that's the best-kept secret of all time because stuff like that doesn't go unnoticed by the Philadelphia media. John McMullen said it to Bill Calarulo and I at halftime, and yeah. he just kind of dropped it in there like this little nugget that we weren't going to talk. And it, it was a jaw-dropping. Wait, hold on a second. We didn't hear that. Now, we had talked, and Mike, you had mentioned it many times before, about how he didn't look like he was the same quick runner that he had been right. in years past. And then you see him tonight not escaping the way he had escaped before. And you see him limping a little bit. You see him going into slides a little bit earlier than uh, assumed. Even in that Bucks game you go back to, and he, he, sure. he went down a lot earlier than he used to seeing him. But to your point, that stays hidden for so long, and it doesn't come out. It doesn't get talked about. And then you see him come out after the interception, the second interce- or his interception yep. that got taken back for the pick six there. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're talking about him running over the field, escaping pressure, and being able to deliver the ball downfield yeah. to Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown. So I, th- I guess that's why it was so well hidden is because it seemed to come and go as the game went on. Yeah, it was reported by Jeff McClain, who covers the Eagles for the Inquirer, that he had put on a knee brace late, later in the game. We tried to look for it. It was probably more of a sleeve than anything uh, on his left knee. But you're right. He, he, he wasn't as mobile a- as he had been in this game. Uh, but, you know, the, this is my, the Miami Dolphins were not ready for this moment. They just, no. they just weren't. I mean, you know, they came in with all this hype. They weren't ready for the moment. They committed 10 penalties tonight. Uh, and and they, they just seemed to be not the better team in this game. The Eagles completely uh, showed themselves as the better team. And so you're right. Maybe the, maybe the Dolphins are a little fraudulent. Maybe the fact that they really hadn't played anybody surfaced tonight against a really good defense. In, in all the years I've covered this Eagles team, and I've covered this team 26, 27 years, I've never seen them go through an entire game with no penalties. Miami had 10 penalties. The Eagles did not have Zero. one penalty yep. this entire game. Mm-hmm. I've not never one? seen that before. Not one, not one. penalty. They were offsetting. But that was about that it. Yeah. was it. Yeah. But no official penalties for the Eagles in this game. I've never seen that before. Oh, you better get ready next week. <laughs> oh, with Washington Cup? Oh, they're going to have about eight or nine against Washington. That's going to be brass knuckles. Shanks, the whole nine yards next week. Huge, huge part of the game right there. And, Mike, what you were saying earlier about something that came out of this game that you didn't expect, I didn't expect Eli Ricks to play the game that he played. Yeah, he played well. You Great talk play. about the physical factor there as a cornerback tonight. Eli Ricks showed me something tonight. Gosh, can, 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 I just, can I just tell you guys something? Listen, sometimes the best thing you can do for a young player is cut his ass. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I I, I don't doubt I, it. T- Sometimes the best thing that you can do is, like, let him experience what it's like to be without the thing that you love the most. I know because I've been through that. <laughs> I sat on my mom's couch and watched two the first two games of my rookie season. And when I came back, I had a whole different perspective. So sometimes, you know, Eli Ricks is a guy – who they tried to figure out could he could he play? They cut him, they brought him back, they put him on the practice squad, and now here he is with his opportunity. 
in my opinion, he's the only guy tonight, the only one that had the wherewithal to challenge Tyreek Hill. Mm -hmm. Everybody else was scared and playing off. Eli Ricks was in his grill all night tonight. Yeah, you Every time tough. he was lined up on him, he challenged. You were not happy with the way Bradbury was playing off the line yeah. of scrimmage. Or, or Slay. Yeah. And also Slay yeah. off the line of scrimmage. But listen, I got I got to mention this just, just to keep it fair here. The Dolphins in the third quarter had a touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill that he just slipped oh out of goodness. his hands and, and he lost it. Uh, I lost control of it. The ball wound up going in the end zone, but he never really grabbed it. That was a touchdown right there. And then finally, uh, on a fourth and three, uh, they threw to Cedric Wilson, and he obviously was grabbed by the face mask. That was a penalty they completely missed and didn't call. So that's one of the reasons why they had zero penalties. But those two breaks killed the Dolphins there. Hey, listen. They were huge. That's, were huge. that's kind of the way the game goes. I mean, go back to last week. Devontae Smith dropped how many passes? How many passes? Ball bounces off of Dallas Goddard's chest. You know, I mean, things happen that way. Sometimes, you know, like what's the old Curtis Blow song? These are the breaks. These are the breaks. <laughs> sometimes you break get them. Break it down, break it down, break it down. Break it down. Sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't, man. I hear you. All right. Well, uh, uh, anyway, the, the, it was almost like the Dolphins' God was watching those two plays. So those two plays went against the Dolphins. <laughs> Mike, and then, I'll say and then this. an interception for a touchdown by Jerome Baker. Gets See, it I, I, I'll say this, too. I think the psychological side, the same way the Eagles went into last week against the Jets, you know, maybe overlooking them a little bit. I think maybe Miami came into this game and looked at how the Eagles played against the Jets last week and took them too light. think so. I, that listen, defense. I, listen, they I, tried to run up the middle against that defense, which has shown every game that you can't do that. Well, listen, when you're when you're the number one Russian def, uh, Russian offense in the National Football League, there's a mindset that you believe that you can run the ball anywhere you want to. But statistically, if you break down Miami and you look at their runs, they don't run the ball very well in between the tackles. No. But if they can get on the edges, that's really where they hurt you because they got, you know, most of is a is a track guy. Yeah. The other guy, Arcane, uh, 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 what's his Arcane, but he was out. Okay, he's hurt today. Yeah. You know, but when they can get those guys on the edges and they can get the edge and get the wide receivers blocked on the on the outside, they can hurt you. But they, they really couldn't get outside today as much as they wanted to. And to what shocked me, D Guns, uh, they didn't try. The yeah, times we, where they did sitting, try, they're talking about it. And well, the one uh, the one series. Most of that 36 yards on, on back-to-back carries. carries yeah. because they went to the outside. Yeah. I'm thinking, why would you not go back to that? Your only chance of staying in the game and keeping the Eagles' <laughs> offense off the field was to go to the outside. Two plays, they go to most of the he, he picks up 21 and 15 yards in back-to-back plays. They go back to running the ball inside again. Dumb play call. Mike McDaniel has been given a lot of credit for being a very good offensive play call. I thought that was very dumb on his part and how, how he shifted away from that. You mean to tell me that you, you, whoever's in your booth or whoever's on your side, hey, man, we're having success here. Mm-hmm. Keep going until they take it away. Then we try to go back inside. Make them overplay it back to the inside. Now, they played right into the hands of the Eagles' defense. Well, we talked about it before. One of the most important names that was on the Eagles' injury list all throughout the week was Jalen Carter. And my concern yeah. as, was to whether or not he was going to be able to play in this game because all of a sudden he pops up two weeks ago on the injured list, and I'm looking ahead. I'm even looking past the Jets saying, well, you got to get him on the field to make sure that he plays against this Dolphins team. Right. He was out there, and he was a force to be reckoned with. I mean, the entire defensive line, 
was very dominant today. Jalen Carter was certainly a star amongst that. Hassan Reddick stayed red hot. No better time for Hassan Reddick to get hot than right before this game, and he right. continued that. And then Nolan Smith comes up with his first sack ever tonight. Yeah, so that was great to see. Had that yeah, well, but he got it. But he got it. The seat parted for Nolan <laughs> on, on that sack. I don't but he got it. He was, he was untouched on they that. They act like he wasn't even on the field. Man. You, that was ridiculous. Dude, I think I, think I might have been able to limp back in and get a sack. The tackle looked at him like, oh, you can't do nothing inside the block over here. It just let him tackle. I was like, how come, uh, how come I could never get sacked like that? Well, that's two then because two oh, also took a knee before Jalen Carter got his sack. But Jalen Carter was also beating double teams up the middle. I tell you what, I like the way that Josh Sweat is playing. Josh is playing with a lot of energy. Yeah. He's playing with a lot of intensity right now. He's not always getting there, but I'm telling you, man, he's all over the place. You know, I, I don't think people – understand it that Josh Sweat is basically playing on a knee and a half Mm -hmm. you know he's had knee issues for the last couple of years and the fact that he's out there playing at a high level like he is now he had double digit sacks last year he's been a force to be reckoned with this year you know and I and I said to Seth up in the green room I said I wonder how much more of a career he's going to have because eventually those kind of things catch up with you he's still young enough now to where you can overcome those but as you continue to go along get a little bit older Take a little bit longer to heal up and loosen up. You don't have that same type of effectiveness. But, you know, I I think it's overlooked in terms of what Josh Sweat does week in and week out just to get ready to get up to play a game every week. Stem cell and PRP is something special. I'm telling you, I know. We were talking about that last week, man. man. Yeah, man. You know, the Eagles were ahead 17-3 to at one point in this game. Wow, they got the tush-push for the TD, but – there was a fourth and three on that series, and they got the 17th point on that touchdown. Fourth and three, they go for it. Hurts was flushed out of the pocket. He made another scramble throw. All of a sudden, A.J. Brown comes up with it again. They get to the one, and the touch push gets him a touchdown. And then they allow the touchdown with 39 seconds left to go in a half, which I thought was really going to hurt them because the Dolphins are going to get the ball to start the second half. Yeah. Third and 18, Seth, and I know you love this play. You you love it when they convert third and longs like this. They launch one to Cedric Wilson for 29 yards. He gets the first down on that play. I was absolutely livid. Absolutely livid. That's why I said, you know, some of these young guys played some really good football tonight. You know, I wasn't overly impressed with the performance of our two starting cornerbacks tonight. They looked like they were more afraid of what was going on around them than the young guys did tonight, and that's concerning. But Darius Slayer's on that guy, you know, third and 18, and you give up 29 yards. The one thing you can't do, how, how does that happen? Yeah. How does that happen? And that was the touchdown. Bradbury, uh, he'll beat Bradbury off the line on a third and eight, and, and they, they, they hook up with another long pass on that drive, 17 to 10. And I'm thinking, okay, they got the ball uh, in the second half. They, they probably are going to score on that drive. But but they stopped them. They stopped yeah. them on that on that first series of downs in the third quarter. Well, they needed to. That, that was a major, major stop because that's the one thing that had me worried. You got the seven before the half. You're down by seven, okay? And realistically, um, <laughs> your, your defense, your, your, de- your offense is, was more responsible for those seven points than necessarily was, you know, the defensive side of the ball. So you're coming out, you're down by seven, and they get the ball at the half. And the defense stands up first first series. Five plays, 18 yards, punt. It's huge, man. Absolutely huge. As well as the defense played in spurts, 
the one concerning thing that, that Sean Desai has to correct is the middle of their defense in the past game was wide open all night. And I'm shocked that Miami didn't try to exploit that more. But there was a whole big circumference of area. They could have they could have killed him over the middle all night long, and they didn't. They didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, well, Waddle was hurt in and out of the lineup all game. Uh, I'm saying to myself, I, if I've got Tyreek Hill, they targeted him 15 times, which is a lot of targets. I would have targeted him like 25 40, times. 40. Every, every pass I'm throwing has got to be to Tyreek Hill. He looked like he was tired at some point to me because there was critical times in the game where he was like actually on the sideline, and we were looking at each other in the green room like, why is he standing over there on the sideline? You know? It was after the drop. He goes over. He drops the ball in the red zone. Yeah. He goes over and starts standing on the sidelines. We're all wondering, well, where is he going? What's yeah. going on there? But, no, after he scored that touchdown before the half where he burned three defensive backs at the same time, looked like he hit the turbo button and just went, I thought they were just going to feed him for the rest of the game. If he Look, everyone knows going into the game you could beat your defense like that. But for him to actually do it in that particular instance over three defensive backs, I thought that was going to be their bread and butter the rest of the game. Turned out not to be the case. Well, I, I think when you look at – when you look at the structure of this defense, Degon, to your point, you talked about the middle of the field. They had major, major issues with that early in the season. Oh, yeah. And they rectified it. And it seems like, you know, they just abandoned it tonight. The Dolphins really don't have a tight end. That, no. that, that's, a, that, that, that's a middle of the field threat. Their middle of the field is crossing routes with Tyreek Hill. And he very rarely sits routes down. If he's going to cross, he goes all the way across. So what you saw Sean decide do is you saw the linebackers get up in the B gaps and act like they were coming and they drop out. But my thing is all you got to do is a little play action pass and you can get behind the linebackers like that because they can't get out fast enough. I, you know, to your point, it was a major mistake on Miami's yeah, part yeah. not to take advantage of the middle of the field. Whether you took Tyreek Hill across or you brought Jalen Waddle and you sat him down. You could have sat him down right over top of the, 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 Absolutely. the center all, all day, day long yep. and ate right there all day. All right, how are we feeling right now about Jalen Hurts? Uh, we, we, we've been talking all season about how he's not as mobile as we saw him in 2022. Now, this is before he became aware that he was hurt. And it became more evident, obviously, the Jets game in this game because he obviously was hurt. I, I still have some reservation. Now he made some big throws. That throw he that deep throw he threw to AJ Brown that led to the touchdown to Field Adia. Oh my goodness! He stood in there and took a hit and delivered a strike. Of course, incredible check by a, uh, catch by AJ. But when you watch him take off and run, he's more calculated when he runs now. I don't know if that's by design. I don't know if the coaches have browbeat this in his head. Look, we need you to take care of your body. Don't worry about trying to get those extra yards. Like, we need you for 17 games, not 14, 15 games. Or if the if the hits he's been taking this season are catching up to him. And the team is never going to admit it one way or the other. And I'm sure one of the first questions that Sirianni's asked tonight is, how bad is Jalen Hurt? He's going to downplay it. Because they got a big game coming up, divisional game coming up next week. So he's going to downplay it. But it's something to keep watching with Jalen in terms of his body language. I'm a little bit worried. In what I'm, respect? I'm, I'm worried because we are seven weeks into the season and there's not a whole lot of continuity offensively to what they do. You know, if they make the decision to, to run the ball, the offense seems to operate a little more efficiently, even if they're not, you know, like tonight, they weren't great 
in the run game, but the offense seems to work a little more efficiently. Um, I'm worried because, you know, there are times when I look at this offense, the offense doesn't look like it has a whole lot of continuity to what it's trying to do. It's real difficult for me to look at, you know, uh, 12 personnel and for them to, you know, go two tight ends to one side and then run a, a counter OT back to the weak side and then they don't come back to that until later in the game and they really don't capitalize off of that look again. You know, that's called play coordination. If I'm going to run that play, then that means I've got another play that I can run off of that, a passing play, because I'm showing that picture to the defense. As a defensive player, I see that, oh, they lined up in, in a, a balance set, 12 personnel, two tight ends, both tight ends were off, they motioned this guy over, Okay, and then they ran a counter OT. Well, where is the counter OT with the other tight end running the bootleg on the other side or some kind of pass play off it? Sometimes it seems like, you know, they're just calling plays randomly or they're drawing it up in the dirt and there's no rhyme or reason to the play call and how they're doing it. You know, so. Oh, so that, your worry is with the offense coordinator, not specifically with Jalen. Well, because, listen, if you don't have if you don't have a system, or a methodology to, or rhyme or reason of how you call in your plays, it becomes even that much more difficult and more stressful, you know, on the quarterback and his decision making. Last year they ran RPO, okay? He could hand it off, he could run it, he could pull it and throw it, okay? Now they know what they got. They could go RPO, pull it, come back and hit the slant on the backside. They had a myriad of different things that they could do, and he had options. But when you call plays that don't match and they're not coordinated, then when you call a play and it's so random, he's trying to figure out what do I do with the ball? Where do I go with the ball? He doesn't look fluid. He doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look like he really knows what he wants to do with the ball. And then his fail safe, oh, I'll go to, I'll go to A.J. Brown, you know. And it's worked out for him at times, but last week it didn't work out. There are times where it hasn't worked out. And that's concerning because now we're in the meat of the schedule. You know, you're going to play some teams that might not be frauds like – like, like San Francisco's defense ain't a fraud. You know, the, the, the commander's defense next week, they ain't a fraud. Um, Kansas City's defense with, with, with Spagnuolo, he knows how to scheme you. They're not a fraud. So you better have a rhyme and reason to what you're calling and how you're trying to orchestrate your offense. It better be coordinated because your quarterback is not going to have time to try to figure it out on the fly. And I, and I would love to go back and watch all seven games, especially the first three of the season, you know, where, they, where, the, where the defense really struggled, and try to just chart it and see, okay, if we came out on three, three wide receivers and we were balanced two by two, what did we run and what were the plays off of the run in comparison to the pass and what was the pass plays in comparisons off the runs? you, you, you got to know that, you know, because teams are charting you. And they're charting your probabilities of how you're calling your plays. And if they can get, if, they, if I can, if I can look and see that and understand that there's no rhyme or reason, you think the defenses don't do? Okay, well let's confuse the hell out of them then. Couple, couple of things that uh, they finally got a tight end screen, Seth. <laughs> oh <laughs> Finally my got a tight end screen to go today with Goddard. And the other thing, Lane Johnson playing on, on of course, the bad ankle. Did he D give up the first sack ever? Is is that it's, official or it's, it's still to be determined? I, I thought he did, but the guy who the guy who actually came through on his side 
I don't know if he made the sack. I thought it was, it was another Jaylen guy. Jalen Phillips, the middle. I think, who I, got the sack. No, Jalen Phillips was the guy. Okay. He gave up. Yeah, he, he I gave, think Jalen Phillips first. beat him. Uh, now, on that play. No, now we'll, 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 we'll find out on Pro Football Focus. We may have seen history tonight no, with that. No, you you experienced history because Jalen Hills Phillips lined up outside. Yeah. Now, if they would have ran a stunt with a swap, you know, now it would have been on paid uh, uh, on Sue Opeta. But he just took an inside charge and Lane with that ankle couldn't he couldn't push off to get back down inside. But that was that was a sack. That was a sack. Lane Lane gave up his first one in what was it two years? Like two no, and a half November years? of two thousand twenty. Yeah, official score may have to have phenomenal. some fuzzy math there. Yeah, you know, like you know. Yeah, he had a bum uh, ankle. He had a bum yeah, ankle. Yeah, yeah, Doesn't it's, it's not a sack. It was the other guy. Was a, <laughs> that could be the, the situation there? All right. So uh, this is a monster win for him, and and he needed to win this game because the gauntlet's coming up. Right, All right next week should not be a problem. With the commanders, right? Well, well it, it, it's in Washington, number one. Mm-hmm. Now, now here's a, here's a Washington team that's going to be ticked off because they were held to seven points against the Giants today. Yeah, they stink, though. You know, that's why they were held to seven points. Okay, they stink, <laughs> they stink. but they scored 31 points in the uh, Eagles' backyard. Yeah, but that's, okay. that's, that's ancient history. Okay, well, I'm telling you. They got to go down there and play them. Okay, one o'clock game next Sunday. You know, I, and if I'm betting now, that's money, a must win. You got to think about that. Yes. That's a must win Look, that, with I'm the teams money, that are coming up. If I'm betting money, I put everything I have on the Eagles to take care of Washington. <laughs> okay. All right. But it's a division game. And you're if Washington, so cautious. You're always so cautious, D. No. It's a I'm division a real. game. We know it's a division I'm a, game. No, hey, I'm a real. No, no, no. I'm a real. All right. I'm a real. It's a difference. There's a big difference. <laughs> Dude, were you surprised they put up 31 in the Eagles' backyard and pushed them to overtime? Yeah. Were you surprised that a guy named Steve, uh, a quarterback named Sam, Sam Howell, Howell, walked down the field yeah, and, he, and tied the game in the final seconds of the play, game? He played way over his head, and okay. now the Eagles have kind of noticed that maybe okay. if we play down to that Look, level, that kind of thing's going to happen. I agree I, with you, but this is the Eagles team that's playing with a patched-up secondary. Every week it's a different, gr- yeah. different group of guys. Any given Sunday rationale, D-Gun. Okay, Come you on, I thought you were better right. now. How about okay. New York Jets right. rationale? Uh, How about New York Jets rationale? Seth, Seth talk to him. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> talk to him, Seth. I'm done. Well, I'm what done. about – okay, if, okay. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter, healthy, making throws, making plays, not worried. Jalen Hurts not making throws, turning the ball over, and not being healthy, I'm very worried. And if he's wearing a knee brace the whole game next week? Mm-hmm. When did he put the knee brace on? Second half this, tonight? The second half, yes. yeah, okay. left knee. It was in the third quarter. Okay. So he got Where hurt. Where it was reported he, he was yeah, wearing a knee brace. He, he got hurt in the Jets game, didn't put a knee brace on, tried to get through the first half of this game with no knee brace. All of a sudden, everybody's noticing he's limping. Okay. Okay? Yeah, all right. Do we, do we honestly buy this? But Do we what? think this just happened with Jalen Hurts, that he just got injured? No, no. I know Has for- he looked the same at yeah. all this year yeah. from what we have seen in years probably, past? He's probably worn down a little bit. Probably worn down well, a little they, bit. They don't, they don't heal. If your knee is banged up, it's not going to heal from mm-hmm. week Look, to week. Of, of course not. So yeah. you asked the question earlier, Mike, about whether or not we're concerned. I'll put it like this. I'm not concerned about Jalen Hurts as much as I'm concerned about Jalen Hurts' health. Yeah. So the Eagles got to find some way to make sure that he is healthy going forward, and then maybe you'll see him regain that MVP caliber type play. So you were afraid of the the Hawaii connection in here? <laughs> I was not. I was, Mariota oh, versus Tua. I was not afraid. I you were when, afraid of that? when I saw Jalen Hurts not be able to escape escape that pressure and throw directly into I think it was the corner coming off the edge there before the pick six throw right on that play. I said if he's even fifty percent healthy, he's evading that pressure and skirting that to the outside, not trying to throw it through a defensive back. Mariota put his helmet on. 
It was also reported. Uh, did he really? Uh, yeah. Uh, so did he really? At the same time it was reported that Jalen was wearing a knee brace, it was also reported that when Miami got the second half kickoff, Jalen ran on the field like the Eagles had the ball. Right, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's straight. But I didn't see the Mar- Mariota put his helmet on at some Mariota point. Mariota put his helmet on at that He at was that just checking time. to make sure it's still fit. That- <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey Farsi, think about this. Yeah. After he put that knee brace on, he pulled a Patrick Mahomes. Because he stepped up and took he off did. and gained about 15 yards on one run. That's some knee brace. Oh, that's, yeah, I'm telling <laughs> you, man. That's a, that knee felt real good. You're going to start play. doing endorsements yeah. for that sleeve. I'm telling this, you, man. This is exactly the reason why, you know, it's imperative that Jalen Hurts gets to a point where he can operate from the pocket. Yeah. You know, because he's going to have games where he's beat up. He's going to have games where defenses like the first two weeks basically – you know, are going are not going to let him get out. Right, right. You understand what I'm saying? They're going to spy him. They're going to take their defensive ends up to quarterback height, and they're going to shut it down so he can't sneak through. He's got to. They've got to get him to a point where he can operate strictly from the pocket. You know, or they got to run the ball, get to the two tight end sets where they can run bootleg stuff. They're not a very good play action team because they live in shotgun so much they're in shotgun damn near 80 percent 85 percent 95 90 to 95 percent of the time it's hard to go play action pass when you're standing back there and you're taking the ball here and all you do is this you know you got to get him under under center they got to get some plays designed for him where he's under center he can just go straight drop back three five step drop and then also where he can go play pass and then set up and throw the ball. But everything is from shotgun, and I don't like that. We've seen a number of teams this season leading up to this game that have already done exactly what you said. The edge rushers crashed at a certain point, and they stopped to keep him in the corral. New England did it. Tampa Bay did it. The Rams did it. You know, and they had a decent measure of success. You know, you look at you look at the defensive minds that this Eagles offense has already faced. It's almost like an all-star collection of defensive minds. Belichick, Brian Flores, Todd Bowles, Jack Del Rio, Raheem Morris, Robert Sala. Coming up still, Dan Quinn, Spagnola, Sean McDermott, Wink Martindale, Steve Wilkes. Uh. You know, that's that's a heck of a collection of D coordinators, this Eagles offense. Now, so far, they're 6-1. They're finding a way to survive. But you know there's a, there, there's a, a, a collective conversation across the league. Hey, what do you do against Jalen? What do you do? I mean, it's a copycat league in the NFL. It's right, great preparation. A, huh? It's great preparation. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. These, these are the types of defenses, you know, if they can manage to get to Las Vegas, these are the kind of defenses they're going to have to beat. And, you know, I, I, Steve Spagnuolo, I'm like, that's the one I really want to see. Right. Because he really created some, some issues for the Eagles in the Super Bowl last Second year with half. how he yep. decided to go after Jalen Hurts. And there were times where, you know, they kind of ran the loop enforced him one way and then had the spy go and get him and make him either throw it away or run out of bounds. So I'm curious to see. You know, you played against the best coordinators. Curious to see how it continues to go. But yep. these are the type of quarter- coordinators, D-Gun. I would much rather they play the, the gauntlet that they got to face yes. than to play what, you know, a, a Detroit Lions get to play right, or right. what San Francisco gets to play right. because when it comes nut crunching time right. now all of a sudden it's a whole different deal when you got to play against the le- legitimate team Miami for that matter yeah. they played against a legitimate defense tonight look at what you got yeah. a f- 17 to 31 drubbing yeah. all right let's take a breath here if you're looking right higher right now in the IT and engineering manufacturing or technology fields all you got to do is contact Gary Kane and his team at Kane Partner Staffing Solutions 
And here's how you can connect. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC <laughs> Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. And welcome back to the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show. We're live from Ocean Casino as we are after every Eagles game. The Eagles win it today, 31-17. to They hold the Dolphins to 263 total yards. Now, that's significant because the Dolphins have come in averaging 317 yards per game. They were first in the league in almost every offensive category. And the Eagles kind of shut them down today to win that big game. Um, Mark Farzetta is still with us today. And, uh, of course, John McMullen is going to join us and Kayla Santiago in a little bit. Farzi, uh, the player you can bank on is presented by First Trust Bank. Who can we bank on today I mean, Farzi World? 
I think it's the only name that we can really continue to bank on. When you got a streak going, that only two other guys in the history of the NFL have only been able to match that streak. You're able to match them. 125-plus receiving yards, five straight games. Hat tip to our man, A.J. Brown, for being uh, able to be that guy that you could bank on consistently, especially the last five games. You know, I guess the squeaky wheel does get the grease, gentlemen, because ever since there was that little spat on the sidelines against the Vikings, he has been the man that you could consistently rely on to make the big plays downfield. And that play that he had in that fourth quarter, 42-yard reception with a man hanging off of him to make that play and set up that touchdown, certainly something you could bank on right there. What what's what's spat? Because according to AJ, there was no spat. There was a, oh was oh there just, was a spat. Was just no 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 no. <laughs> he said there was a spat. He said it wasn't about targets, which we all believe he was lying. It was, it was just two good friends. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Having a powwow. Conversing. Sure. That's all art. <laughs> he's like man. I'm, I'm, he's like look. just like, just like you know my Twitter name always on. Yeah. Okay. You better throw me the damn ball. That's what he was saying. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, listen. Throw him the damn ball and. Uh, you're, good things are going to happen for the Eagles. It's uh, it's evident that that he is a, a big engine on this team. It, it's funny to me that the Dolphins thought they could come in here and run the football against the Eagles. They they wound up with 45 yards rushing in this mm. game, right? The Eagles have been holding the running backs to 3.1 yards per carry. Do the math on that. 12 into 45. That's th- that's less than three yards yeah, carry, and and that is one of the reasons why this defense is so good. Once you stop one of the pistons of somebody's offense, what are they going to do? They can't throw it every down. They've got to have some kind of a balance, and, and the Dolphins really didn't have any answer once the running game was shut down. I, I was shocked that they kept trying to test the interior of this Eagles defense. Every time they ran the ball up the middle, there was somebody waiting for them, and for as much credit as Mike McDaniel gets for being this brilliant play caller, how did you not identify this? I thought you waited too long to try to test the perimeter. And once they tested the perimeters where they found their success, then they go back to running the ball to the inside again. I'm thinking, you're playing right into the defense's hands. You know, you didn't attack them enough through the air with all the chaos on the back end of the defense, and then you play to their strength which was between the two tackles, and we saw whether they went back to pass or run the football. Look at how consistently Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter collapsed the middle of that offensive line. And you do it every week. You know, that's one of the reasons why they're only giving up three yards per per carry to to all these offenses. You you cannot run on the Eagles. You have to – I don't know how you – you have to go outside, but you have to design a play where you can get guys loose and get around the edge because Hassan Reddick is playing amazing. Set the one play – they had him dropped into coverage. And defensive ends just don't make up ground like he made up to, to make that tackle on that ball carrier there. Yeah, but he's not your average defensive end. In my opinion, he's a tweener. They call them rush guys, but, you know, when you're lining up on the outside and 95% of the time you're rushing the passer, you know, you remember we had Jannard Avery and they tried to put him in that position. And all he could do was speed rush. He had no other rush, and you couldn't drop him in the coverage because he couldn't cover. He couldn't cover in zone. That's the reason why they went after Hassan Reddick because he's the type of guy that when you get in your five-man front and you want to play zone behind it, that you can drop him. Now, I think Nolan Smith could be another guy like that, you know. But Nolan Smith has got to come on, and it's going to be hard for him to get reps with. Josh Sweat playing the way he's playing. But you can't do that with Josh Sweat. So what's going to happen is the really, really, really good offenses are going to begin to pick up and understand that, you know what, 
when they go five man and they want to go zone, Hassan Reddick is the only guy that's going to drop. Now they had they had snuck Josh Sweat out there a couple of times, but you know. I don't think Miami really pick up on it where they could take advantage of it. The better offenses will do that. But listen, he's playing lights out. He's playing lights out, lights out across the board, and the whole defense is playing lights out across the board. To your point, how do you get on the perimeter? The one thing that I don't like about the Eagles' defense is that you know on the perimeter they're a little bit um, undisciplined in how they handle their business and how they do what they do. You see, Josh Sweat. And Hassan Reddick, they always play wrong foot up. And we saw a running play get outside of Brandon Graham tonight because he was standing wrong foot up. Now, it only happens maybe once or twice in the game. Explain what that means to the people. That so if you're, playing, if you're playing on the right side and I'm the end guy on the line of scrimmage, my inside foot should always be up. So anything that comes at me, I can fight it off here, but I can always keep my outside arm free. And if something breaks outside, I can turn and get to it. But if I, if my outside foot is back and my out and my outside foot is up and my inside foot is back, that means I'm tilted in. So the first step that I'm going to take is always towards the line. So if they got any kind of motion that's coming outside, I've got to take another step before I can redirect. Now, what do smart teams do when they got outside on those couple of plays? Mm -hmm. They had Brandon Graham, wrong foot up. They motioned the tight end across, okay, and then they got outside. And, and, and that's the way you can attack this Eagles defense because a lot of times what they do is they don't even line up. You look at Hassan Reddick. Anytime he's got a tight end or, or an X, a Y, a tight end flex or a bunch, he always gets outside of it all so he can always turn it back in. And I, the thing I don't understand is why are the other rush ends and why are all the defensive ends on the Eagles, why don't they play it that way? Because the only runs that they got, listen, they gave up, what you said, 45, 45, 45 yards? Most of had 45, and it evened out with the, uh, but the, most had, the minus three. Most that had, had 36 of it on two, Mike, on two yeah. run yeah, plays. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there were plays where they allowed them to get outside. So can you imagine if they technically played it right? They wouldn't have got anything. But I'm telling you right now, these other offenses are going to look at that and they're going to say, okay, we can game plan when BG's in the game. We can game plan when Sweat's in the game in certain situations. If we want to get the ball outside, we can get outside if we really want to because those guys are going to be wrong foot up and we'll take advantage of the technique flaws to get around the corner. Uh, uh, AJ, of course, with uh, 10 catches for 137. Goddard, 5 for 77. Devontae, 4 for 49. DeAndre Swift added uh, three catches for 13 yards, and and we kind of like took him for granted today because he had 15 carries for 62 yards. He had a couple of nice runs today. I mean, DeAndre, we were looking at this offense like he he wasn't even a part of it. But he <laughs> he was pretty, he was pretty substantial uh, in, in the game today. He had a long at 22. This is an offense with so many weapons that can wear you down. It's not even funny, and even when it's not, even when it's not perfect, the quality and the depth in their offense just wears a lot of defenses down because the, the pieces are so versatile and so different in how they come at you. You look at a big body receiver like an AJ. You look the, you look at the skinny receiver who is an incredible route runner in, in Devontae Smith. You see a more of a power back between the tackles and Gainwell. You see the guy who's a home run hitter in Swift. Boston Scott, you know, they don't even use him that much. You know, they have so many different diversified pieces to this equation. You know, it, it, it mentally frustrates a defense after a while 
because they try to hone in on certain techniques of certain players. And once they think they figure that out, they go another direction to hit you. And it mentally demoralizes a defense in a lot of ways. Well, how many times, even going back to the Andy Reid days, have we watched an offense for the Philadelphia Eagles and gone, they didn't run, they ran the football, it didn't work, and then they just abandoned the run? Yeah. They only averaged 3.3 yards per carry. The running backs tonight right. only yeah. averaged 3.3 yards per carry, but they stuck with it. Gainwell obviously dragged that number down quite a bit, but not including Jalen Hurts' running numbers, which was what? 11 tonight, 15? 11 15? carries for 21 yards. So you think about the tush pushes involved there. But right. just the running backs today, 3.3 yards per carry. They stuck with it. They made sure they were able to keep that offense off the field right. for as long as they could, and they got big first downs when they needed it. They ran the ball more than they passed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, including, including, including Jalen Hurts' runs, though, yeah, right? Yeah, but that can, yeah. Be, yeah. That, that can be deceiving. That, that's, yeah, that's, I know. Jalen had 11 carries. It's, it's deceiving family. because, you know, those tush pushes are in there. Yeah. It's deceiving also because when the quarterback takes off, on a scramble, that's counted as a yeah. run play. It was not intended to be a run play. Right, it right, was right. intended to be a pass play, yeah. and everything broke down and he had to take off. So that's why, you know, sometimes when I look at those numbers, they're kind of skewed. You know, last week I said, oh, they ran it eight, you know, yeah. nine, 18 times. Well, you know, there was two scrambles in there and one and the one where he actually scored. So there was really only – they called 16 run plays. And they only ran the ball, you know, three times. You know, so those numbers can be skewed sometimes. If you watch their game against the Bills, so they had a 70-point game against the Broncos and they played the Bills. This game played out very similar to the way that they played against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills were able to get into the backfield, they were able to get sacks, and they kept running the football in that game. That's the same thing the Eagles did today against this team. Blueprint. And blueprint was put out there, the Eagles studied it, and then they executed it, and in some degrees they executed it better than the Bills did. They did turn the ball over a couple times. That is a huge problem. battle again mm-hmm. uh, in this game. Well, <laughs> winning by two touchdowns normally doesn't happen that way, but... Are we concerned about the, the Jalen with the turn, another, another tur- t- a couple of turnovers? Those are things that can be corrected uh, when you have that. When you lose a turnover battle and you win, you know those are minor corrections. All of a sudden, if you're losing these games and losing the turnover battle, these things are magnified even more so. You know the the interception was a was a was a tip ball. You know same thing last week with Goddard. You know the ball the balls hit out of his hand. Interception by Quentin Williams. Those things happen. Unfortunately, they go into books as an interception for the quarterback. Um, but that was a horrible were, decision. It was. It was well, well, I mean, no, seriously. It, it, it was a horrible, horrible decision. Okay, but still, the ball's ricocheted up in the air. Okay, yeah, still, yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. But still, the, but the, the stat line shows the Eagles lost the turnover battle absolutely. Again for the second consecutive week. We're not accustomed to seeing this with this team, especially when they racked up so many turnovers the first three games, and then they go three games without any turnovers. And then they lose the last two turnover battles. So, yes, mm-hmm. it's something that they have to work on. And the coach will tell you all week, we have to do a better job of taking care of the ball. We have to do a better job of making decisions with the football. I agree with you 100%. Jalen Hurts saw the pressure coming right in his face and still tried to throw the ball. Defender bats it up in the air. Guy picks it off, touchdown. All of a sudden, the game's tied. And, and you say that they, these are things that need to be corrected. I agree. Everyone agrees they need to be corrected. Why aren't they being corrected? Because for Jalen Hurts, we're seeing this now at an alarming rate. So either it's healthy, either he's not healthy, or he is regressing in being able to go through the proper decision-making skills. Don't use the word Well, that's why I default to injury. But, I mean, when you really try to break it down, Jalen Hurts tries to step up in the pocket today, fumbles the football, it doesn't protect the football. Right. He did the same thing against the Jets when he had issues there in terms of making good decisions, just in terms of the interception thrown, and then today throws it right into the edge rusher or the corner, blitzing off the edge. 
That's a problem for me, and that's something they're not correcting. I got all the confidence in the world in Jalen Hurts, but whatever coaching is receiving in this instance, or if he's injured, like you said, you have heard from the Novacare Complex already that there's a little bit of a limp going on there with Jalen. We heard from John McMullen talking about how there's a little limp going on there from Jalen. So that is the number one concern to me is his health above any mental issue. Well, I, I don't believe that, you know, the injuries are causing, you know, the turnovers. I, I look at it in two ways. The beginning of the year, the Eagles defense was averaging like two or three turnovers per game. And I said, listen, man, they come in bunches. You know, don't fall in love with the fact that they're going to do this week in and week out because they come in bunches. They're like sacks. They come in bunches. Turnovers are the same exact way. You know, he didn't start the year off turning the ball over at an alarming rate, but over the last four games, he's turned the ball over almost twice a game on average. So they kind of come in, in bunches. So you just gotta gotta play it out, and you know, it's that fine line that you walk between wanting your quarterback to be aggressive and make the great throws and take chances, you know, where where it's warranted, and for him to be so overly protective that he's not willing to make the throws that are there and throw the ball with rhythm and timing. But he's going through a spurt right now, obviously, where he's turning the ball over at an alarming rate. A, a, a sack fumble today, another interception today, you know, and albeit, you know, hey, it's a tip ball or he threw it through the guy, whatever it is, it's still a turnover. So the only thing that you can hope is at some point he gets to a place where the run is over, you know, and the, and the turnover barrage kind of settles down and he kind of gets back to normal because this is like crazy. What, what is he like? Eight, eight touchdowns and eight interceptions now? Yeah. Round those oh, yeah. numbers, yeah. yeah. See, here's what here, here's what concerns me. As smooth as Jalen is, as mature as he is, and this is just human nature with anybody. I think Jalen's even surprised at the volume of turnovers he's had over the last four games. Then you get to a point where you start thinking more than you react, and it takes you away from that rhythm, that mindset. You start patting the ball a little bit longer. You That's start second your, you start second guessing yourself in terms of. Am I actually seeing what I'm seeing here? And that leads to disaster. Now, you won't see it on, on Jalen's face expression-wise, but, but it's human nature. When you've been as flawless as he was in 2022, and all of a sudden you come out and it's as jagged as it is now, that, that mechanism in your brain kicks in that I know what play I'm running, but am I sure that I'm, I'm, I'm performing it right? And, and, you know, when your mind says deliver the ball in three steps, one, two, three, but you wait a fourth step. You're allowing a defender to get that much closer to you. You're allowing a DB to converge that much closer on the target he's going to eventually throw to, i.e. last week he throws that pick in double coverage against the Jets. Those are things that we weren't accustomed to seeing Jalen do last year. I think that he is, you know, because think of, think of how freakish some of these turnovers have been. Absolutely. You know, tips, batted balls, sack fumble, you know, it's just some of these things are just freak accidents, if you will, if you know, if you can label them that they're still turnovers. And I'm assuming in his mind, it's like, well, man, th th this has got to end at some point. This can't just keep, you know, bad luck just can't keep happening because I'm pretty sure that that's how he sees it as bad luck. You know, the same way he only went through last season with just six interceptions. You know, how many balls potentially, how many more balls last year could have been interceptions right, right. that we either dropped or, you know, whatever the circumstances were. So, I don't know. I, I think he's just got to keep playing, and at some point in time, things always balance themselves out. They just do.
All right, that, of course, uh, segment presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. And also, Farzi, you got to – well, what are we uh, – we, we, the big charity that we're representing here on the Jacob Media at Pond La Hockey postgame show, talk to me about that. Uh, well, you know EBOD is a great charity. It helps uh, combat Alzheimer's as well as dementia. And we have our great golf tournament going on right now. You could, you could vote on our teams for Team Miss, Team Seth, Team Gunn, and Team Farzi as well. Just text – uh, the word SCORE to 833-202-9835. That's 833-202-9835, and it's text the word SCORE. And you can vote on those promo codes right there. Mike Miss, yes, of course, once again, you are in the lead. Congratulations Farzee, for that. What are the official numbers? You keep saying he's in the lead. What are the numbers? It's about like? a lot to a little right. less, way less. No. That's about how it goes right now. So you don't have official numbers? I don't have the official documentation right now, but here's what I do have. Just like on the football team, a team's strength lies in its players working together as a team. And that's what we're doing right now with the great people of EBOD for this great cause. Yeah, but we're competitive. We want to know what the heck is going on. Yeah, come who's, on, Farzee. Who, who's in the lead and got, why and, yeah, you know, how want, is this? How, I, I'm just trying to figure out, okay, so we got these teams. And do we just have these teams and people are just signing up for the the person that they like? Yes. Or, or are we, like, having an event at some point that deter- that's going to determine who wins the actual golf portion of it? The first part of that. You know, uh, if I were y'all, I wouldn't worry. Just take the L. <laughs> uh, I, you know, there's no way. Hey, listen. I would stand, I, I, I would stand well, up gone, like I'm a man. Say, I'm going to say, I'm gonna say it like this. I know there's no way in hell there's more people out there that like Mike Mills <laughs> better than they like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't have to be liked to get up. You just have to be known. I got, oh, I got to get you when I can get you, Mikey Miss. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, by the way, a uh, quick thing before we get to the break. There were a couple of Major League Baseball bigwigs at the game today. Mike Trout and... Liam Castellanos. <laughs> Nick, Liam got a standing ovation. That, that little kid, what's the rest of his life going to be like? Oh, it's all downhill yeah, from here for the down. kid. Absolutely. And were they, have, were they playing Philly's walk-up music throughout the game yeah, tonight? It sounded, yeah. it sounded like uh, 90s era hip-hop, and it sounded like <laughs> Philly's walk-up music all night. I'm all for it. And, and, uh, and doesn't, doesn't uh, Castellanos live in Florida somewhere in the offseason? He has a home in Miami that has a batting cage in it. So, so his kid's been playing hooky from school for like two No, he missed the first round against the Dolphins. Against the Marlins. Really he's being homeschooled anyway. <laughs> just, is he really? Yeah, oh, okay. I think that's what the story is. That kid's, How about a, that? That kid's a rock star in the state of Florida, man. <laughs> he is. All right, it's the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show. Kayla's Diamond Debate with Kayla Santiago is coming up next. And also John McMullen, live from uh, the stadium. And we'll see what John has to say about this game. We're back after this. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pond Lee Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Hello. And welcome. To the Diamond Debate. With Liam and Hillary. In the heart of Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania. What you got for us today on your right hand, Hill? Today we've got a right hand ring, Liam. What is that? It's a ring 
that you would wear on your right hand. That's it? That's all there is to it. Okay. <laughs> it's what? meant to balance your left hand situation or if you're not engaged or married, it says, I'm not engaged or married, but I still have this over here that's sparkly. A lot of other ways you can say that. No, not if you're trying to wear jewelry. Which okay. one's your favorite? I love this um, Art Deco moment. I mean, with these beautiful baguettes and round diamonds. I mean, who wouldn't say no to one of these? Baguettes are hot right now. People also love an eternity band. It's beautiful. Great for the other hand. That's right. So come on down here. For Love Bros here at Mark's Jewelers. Every day of the week except Sundays and Mondays. That's because we are close. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Hooters, the perfect pair. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. E A G L E S, Eagles. All right, welcome back to the Pong Hockey Eagles postgame show. We're live from Ocean Casino, and you're watching us on the Jacob Media YouTube channel or 6abc.com, 31-17. A big challenge that was faced by the Eagles today, and they answered it on offense and especially on defense where they held the Miami Dolphins, the high-powered offense, which was ranked first in the league in a lot of categories, completely down, flustered Tua Tagovailoa. And uh, they, they uh, three uh, hill with 11 catches, but only 88 yards. Uh, and that's the way we roll here. The Eagles with another victory. Kayla Santiago joins us with Kayla's Diamond Debate. Kayla, uh, tell us first of all what you are wearing today. I got some beautiful pearls here, and we've seen this throughout the weeks as well, but we have to go back to them because they are shining so bright here today. You've got the white pearl necklace that personally is my favorite thing that I've probably ever worn jewelry-wise as well. you got this beautiful gold necklace as well 
right under it. Then this fantastic bracelet from our friends at Mark Jewelers and, of course, the pearl ring as well, shining just as much as the Philadelphia Eagles did here today. Let's get back to that diamond debate right now here, though. We look at Jalen Hurts at this point of the season, 279 passing yards here today, three total touchdowns. But I think we can all agree that Jalen Hurts isn't the same elusive player possibly that he was a season ago. Now, does it worry you to this point of the season? We're in week seven at this point, going to week eight next week. What is the worry with Jalen Hurts' decision-making? Is it possibly that injury? Seth, I'm going to start with you. Are you worried at all, or do you think that you go to week eight, you keep on going, and Jalen Hurts is going to be that guy? I'm not worried at all because, you know, I'm more interested in Jalen Hurts becoming the ov uh, uh, an overall quarterback than I am with his ability to escape, escape pressure. You know, because if he can operate efficiently from the pocket and get done what they want to get done and they can be balanced run to pass, then that's what you want. His, athlet his athleticism is what I want when everything breaks down and there's no other option. When there's man coverage and you're going to scramble to get pick up yards because everybody's got that back turn except for the, the, the two high or the single high safety and they're 20, 25 yards down the field. Um, or in zone situations where you're going to break the pocket and scramble lateral to the to the to the line of scrimmage and hope that guys can either come back or go deep and you can create a play like he did on that pass with AJ Brown today. Um, so I'm not worried about you know his athleticism. What I want to see is I want to see him to continue to perform and continue to be more efficient from the pocket. And you look at the Bama battle here today, and it definitely goes to Jalen Hurts as well. That connection with A.J. Brown, probably one of the best in the league. At this point right now, Jalen Hurts really going into his second full season. Where do you rank him as QBs? Is he up there in the echelon of the Lamar Jacksons, the Patrick Mahomes, or do you need to see more? Listen, I, to be honest with you, I don't care where he ranks. You know, what? the only thing I care about is the fact that they're 6-1. And should be seven and one at this point in time. Just as long as the Eagles keep doing what they're doing, you know, I'm like scrolling on my Twitter and looking at, you know, some of the comments that are on there. Oh, you know, he's starting to look like the broken Carson Wentz. But the problem with the broken Carson Wentz is his team went four and twelve that year. Yep. And the Philadelphia Eagles and you know Jalen Hurts, even though he's struggling through some injuries and struggling through some offensive issues right now, he's got, you know, a new offensive coordinator. And then you throw in the fact that his team is 6-1 and one right now. So that comparison is moot. I don't even want to hear that. That's nonsensical. Yeah, he, listen, um, he, uh, he got sacked three times today, I guess. And then he lost the ball when it was punched out. Uh, but he, his, he just has this still amazing ability to escape pressure and make a play. That, I mean, that, whether he looks a little sluggish speed-wise going on the outside, I, I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he slowed down a little bit. But he still has that unbelievable ability to squirm out that you can't get this guy most of the time. I don't know how they got him three times today. But normally when, when he gets out of there, and he'll make a play off of it. And to me, that's a tremendous weapon to have. Jalen Hurts right now, I think that he's playing at the top of his game. We talked about a little bit, maybe looking a little bit sluggish on the run, but he's connecting with his guys when he's needed to. I know we've all talked about maybe trying to get that run game in a little bit more, but 
tonight, I don't think you really needed that. You look at the A.J. Brown connection. Devontae Smith gets going as well. And, Seth, we went back and forth, and I said I was worried about the Miami Dolphins. You said you weren't worried at all. Clearly, you won that battle because the Eagles were able to show up in this game against Miami. Last week, a tough loss against the Jets. They show up here today at the link at home. Do you feel like this Eagles team is ready to really get through this gauntlet of the schedule? Where do you see them going from here? You got the commanders up next week. Well, I mean, it's a good start. You know, I, I, I believe that I, I think the running game is still an, an important piece of what they do. And even though, you know, Jalen Hurts had 11 of the 34 carries today, according to stat, the stat sheet, I still believe that it's important that they continue to run the football because I believe that it allows everything else in the offense to open up. I mean, in order for Miami to be able to get this run game under control, that meant they had to drop some extra guys, some extra safeties in the box to help get that done. That meant that they had to, to blitz an extra guy from time to time. That linebacker, um, is it Jones, Jones Jr., um, number 50 or 52? They brought him on a lot of different pressures to try to get the run game on first and second down to kind of get the run game under control. Um, as long as they have, they keep forcing that issue, then that's one less guy in coverage. That's going to help them with the passing game. But when you just go straight past, now all of a sudden that opens up a whole can of worms on your quarterback. And again, the more times you put the ball up, the more probabilities you have that you're going to get strap, um, sacks, strip sacks, interceptions, turnovers. So. Um, I like their balance, and I'm not concerned whatsoever, just as long as they stay balanced the way they did tonight. And on the defensive side of the ball, I think Sean Desai shows everybody that he gets better each and every week. Definitely an upgrade from Jonathan Gannon a season ago. But you look at this defense right now. The secondary is a little bit young, but they had to contain these weapons of Miami here today, and they did exactly that. Your thoughts on the defense overall right now, because I think coming into the season, you look at that secondary and say, what do the Eagles have? Well, it's been a different secondary almost throughout the entirety of the season, and they've been able to win ball games on the defensive side of the ball. Well, I think Deshaun Desai is doing a fantastic job when you consider how many guys he's had to mix and match all year long. I think the cream is finally starting to rise to the top as far as um, the young players that he feels like that he can count on, the guys that, you know, that are going to show up. A guy like Eli Ricks played, cut, signed on the practice squad, showed up big today. Um, and, and, you know, as soon as you can get Sidney Jones healthy and back, get Reed Blankenship healthy and back, so on and so forth, then, you know, you'll be able to move in a positive direction. But I think the defense has been the mainstay. You know, they, they, they have brought that passing number down. They were, they were giving up through the first three games of the season, over 300 yards per game. They brought that number down. They're down in the um, – let me see. Excuse me one second. Um, 232 yards. They're right around that number tonight. They're dominating. They came in tonight, into tonight's game, giving up 65 yards per game. You know, they gave up only 45 total tonight. I think when you look at where they are, you know, a lot of the reason why, you know, they're having a lot of success when the defense is struggling is that the, the offense is struggling, rather, excuse me, is that the fact that the defense is playing the way that they're playing. Yeah, and you know, Sidney Brown got a start in this game. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear his name mentioned, which to me is good. 
That means he didn't make a mistake that was glaring, right? He was pretty steady out there. I was terrified that they had to start Sidney Brown and, and he would be exploited in a game like this because of his aggressiveness. But he, 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 he was okay. Out of necessity, Sean Desai has had to piecemeal, especially the back end of his defense. But here we sit, and you look at the collection of teams they have played. This is a wealth of experience for what's to come for these young players. And when you're talking about getting into those games in mid to late December and into January and hopefully February, you know, they won't be rookies anymore. You know, in a perfect world, Sean Desai would have his frontline guys for an entire game, and these guys would just be sitting and watching or situational players when they, they go to five or six DBs. But they're, they're finding ways to win. Are these young guys making some mistakes? Yes, but they're not making the mistakes that cost them ball games. You know, they're making correctable mistakes. And players always talk about, Seth, always talk to players who talk about how the best way to play this day, to understand this game, is to play this game. You know, to sit on the bench and to watch, you don't learn much of anything. To sit and watch film a lot of times, you don't learn a whole lot. You need to get in there when the bullets are flying for real. And, and, and that's where your real trial and error is. And out of necessity, because of all these injuries, these guys every week, young kids coming from out of nowhere, have to step in and play. And luckily, six times out of seven, they've been on the winning side of the ledger. Well, you, you, you're 100% correct. You know, you, you, in order to play the game, you got to play the game. You know, you got to be able to see it all, and you got to go through the mistakes. It's like a quarterback. You know, a lot of times quarterbacks don't get to, you know, where they can really operate at optimal levels until they've seen every blitz and every disguise yeah, and yeah. every coverage and every combo coverage yeah. and every half coverage and half zone. And until they see it all, until they experience it all, it's hard for them to, like, stand in there and for everything to slow down and for them to be able to play. Well, everything is like that. It's the same way, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. Until you've seen these routes, until you've seen right. how they're going to try to attack mm -hmm. your technique in certain coverages, you just don't know how to react to it. And, you know, the Eagles, my goodness, they've had their share Absolutely. of having to play a lot of young guys that they might not necessarily wanted to play, but they had to play because of injury. And then when you get your your, your top two slot guys, we we didn't right. talk about Josiah Scott right off the right off the street. All of a sudden, you throw him in at slot corner today. You didn't hear his name either, uh, Mike Missinelli. That's a good. That's a real good thing. You know, yeah. you know, the funny thing is. The game has changed in so many ways over the decades, but the one constant has been in terms of players I've gotten to know in interview of Coast to Coast is they learn more from a teammate than they learn from a coach. Mm. And I think this speaks volumes. Obviously, a coach has to teach you, teach you the <laughs> concepts and the schemes, but players have always told me I get more out of talking directly to somebody who's in front of me in the field of battle more so than a coach trying to explain to me what I'm supposed Speak to do. Speak on, but you want to know why? Because there's nothing like experience. Right. You yep. know, most coaches, most coaches never played the game. Now, that doesn't mean they can't coach. Right. But there's a difference between me showing you X's and O's on the on the, sure. on the the board, sure. okay, and me telling you how to adjust to what's going on, you know, in the moment. You know, it, it's a difference. It's one thing to give me – a game plan is another thing to tell me how to execute it. Right. You know, because X's and O's don't move on the board. And and coaches have the ability to take the take the dry eraser and move guys where they want to move. Them. Right. But yep. when that guy doesn't line up where you think he's supposed to line up and he doesn't react the way you, you think he's supposed to react and it's live and he's reacting with aggression, you know, 
if I can tell you what that's going to be like, if I can show you what that's going to be like, yeah. that's a hell of a lot different than just giving me a static board. Yeah. All right, let's uh, get to the man who covered the game today for uh, Jacob Media and the Pine Hockey Post Game Show. The great John McMullen joins us live from Lincoln Financial Field, brought to us by DelVal Insurance. John, well, that was a pretty good statement win, 31-17, holding that team to 17 points with a great defensive effort. How would you see it today? Yeah, I mean, the defense was great. They actually held them to 10 points because, you remember, you had to pick six. So the defense was lights out. I think in the first half when it was 17-3, to they'd given up till deep in the first half about 50 yards of, of total offense, and then they had that last little drive. It, you know, I heard you, Mike, while he was sitting in the green room that you were terrified about Sidney Brown playing. I got a lot of that this week that – People were terrified of the Miami Dolphins. I said on the pregame show, look, they've proven to me they're a good team because they're beating up on the Denvers and the Carolinas and the Giants of the world. But the one time they played a good team, the Buffalo Bills, they lost by four touchdowns. So to me, coming into this game, the Dolphins were the team that had to prove something more so than the Eagles. And I think that kind of borne out. It's it's a game that boiled down to the Eagles defensive front dominating. And then there were little pockets where the Dolphins could block them a little bit. And if that was the case, Tyreek Hill was getting open down the field and they were able to throw the ball against Sidney Brown and company. And those guys, Eli Rakes, Josiah Scott, that people were terrified about. But I say it all the time, and, and Seth can speak to this. If you can't block people, you can't play offense, even if you have Tyree Kill. And that's kind of what happened for the vast majority of this game. Hey, hey John, um, I found out during the course of the game that, that Jalen Hurts had been limping around the NovaCare complex last week. And then uh, Mark Farzetta came up after the halftime show and said, you had mentioned on uh, the halftime show that you guys had noticed it as well, but how was that such a well-kept secret when you consider the Philadelphia media is so good at, at uncovering a lot of this type of stuff? I'm surprised it wasn't a bigger story leading up to the game. Well, yeah, I, we did mention it. Um, you know, a couple of us saw Jalen walking toward the locker room, and he was walking really slowly. And it's kind of tough to tell with Jalen because even when he's completely healthy, you know, he kind of walks slowly. Um, but there was a little bit of a, of a hitch. Uh, and we a bunch of us mentioned it. But, you know, he was never on the injury report. So it, it wasn't a serious injury. Guys play through stuff all the time. I was told he kind of banged it up in Los Angeles. Um, so it's been a while. He did not hurt it in this game, but for whatever reason, he felt the need to put a brace on. A bunch of the guys afterwards said said he was playing through pain. So he's been doing it for a couple of weeks. Um, and we'll see if it got worse. Uh, Nick went through that. I don't know if you guys saw it, but he went through the whole week uh, when asked about the injury. He said, you guys are gonna ask me tomorrow and I'm gonna say we'll have inf more information on Wednesday. You guys are going to ask me on Wednesday, is he going to be on the injury report? So, 
you know, all you can do is wait and see, but clearly he's dealing with something at a brace on. Uh, he's not 100% playing through pain. But, you know, if you think about those tush, tush pushes, brotherly shoves, whatever he wants, didn't affect those um, on that final drive. They're pretty much sealed the game. Um, well, yeah, he hasn't been as mobile the past couple of weeks, but even if you think about the extended play where he had AJ for 32 yards down to the one yard line, um, still moving well enough to make those kinds of plays. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got an issue and, you know, confirmed. The one thing he did confirm is he put on a brace. Again, said he didn't injure it during the game and was asked if it'll affect him moving forward. And he said, we'll see, um, which isn't no. So kind of we'll see. <laughs> John, I want to chat with you about Eli Ricks, um, a guy that got some opportunities early in the season, then got cut, then got re-signed to the practice squad. And in my opinion, he played the best out of all the defensive backs tonight. Up in Tyreek Hill's face, two pass defenses against Tyreek Hill when everybody else was playing off and acting like they were scared, you know, to get up on him and challenge him. Um, what's the difference? I mean, it, it, I don't know what happened, what it was like in the media room, but it had to be a point of conversation the way he played tonight. Yeah, I mean, well, the last play was really impressive. You know, fourth down desperation. He had tremendous coverage on, on Tyreek, and that probably was the best he was covered all night. But, you know, the game was, was over by that point. I don't want to just – I will say Eli never got cut. Um, you know, he's been around the whole time. The Eagles kept him on, on the 53. I was a little surprised. Uh undrafted, was a big time prospect going into college at LSU, transferred to Alabama, never lived up to the hype. They only, I think, spent five grand to sign him. I thought they could get him through waivers, but they didn't want to risk it. And, you know, the most impressive thing about Eli Ricks is he's 6'2", and all the injuries, they've had to play him in the slot and it's almost one of those things where he doesn't know any better. So, you know, you just throw him out there and he doesn't care if it's Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle or a lesser receiver. He just plays his game and he's been, he's been good. Now, I don't want to overstate it and say, you know, when Bradley Roby's healthy, I think he's going to be the slot corner, but He's done a nice job when they forced when they've been forced to go with other bodies in the slot. I will say, and the same thing with Sidney Brown. You know, people had a right to worry about Sidney Brown. This was his first NFL start against a team averaging almost 500 yards a game, 37 points, and never played before basically and you're throwing him out there against Tyree Kill and company and he held up as well but again I go back to the first point I made it was Josh Sweat it was Hassan Reddick it was Fletcher Cox it was Jalen Carter 
making Tua uncomfortable. And that's what the Eagles defense is right now. It's the front is so good, so talented, it makes up for some of the deficiencies on the back end. But John, to your point about um, about Eli Ricks not knowing any better, you know, I mean, shouldn't that like be the mindset of, you know, every player that, you know, ignorance is blitz. And if we're going to play the game, the game is a game of attrition as much as it is a game of competition and a game of challenges. And you got to step up and accept the challenge no matter who it is you play against, because if your mindset is that maybe I can't, you know, as a man think if so is he, you know, so my mindset's got to be, hey, I'm the most dominant dude out here. And then you go out and you play like that. But we talked about Tyreek Hill before this game, like, oh, you know, he's some kind of God, like he's on some kind of other plane or some other kind of level and you can't get up and challenge him. And this kid just showed that, yeah, you know what, you can. If you're willing to get up and put your hands on him and challenge him at the line of scrimmage instead of giving him so much respect and he sees that fear. It's almost, it's like an animal, you know? When an animal senses fear, it attacks. But if you, if you don't show that animal fear, then he's a little leery about, you know, trying to go after you. Well, you know, I, look, I, you know, most of that, and, and when I talk about Tyreek as a generational player, you know, I'm a media guy. I, I don't think Darius Slay talks about him like that. I don't think James Bradbury, they have tremendous respect for him, but they have tremendous confidence in themselves. They have to. You know, it's funny. You and I talked about press coverage on Tyreek on the on the pregame show, as you mentioned. Well, they tried it at the 27-yard line, yep. and James missed. Uh, and you saw what happened. And bang. I mean, the, the speed is unbelievable. And Edmonds had to go uh, check the tight end and, Sidney Brown couldn't get over on in time and 27 yard touchdown. Look, if that if, if Eli Briggs did it consistently, not work out well for him. That's not an insult to Eli Ricks. It would not it, it, it was late in the game. It was fourth down. The game was over. I don't know if Tyreek was going hundred percent or not. He might have been, he might not have been. If that were a 17-17 game in the third quarter and, and he was pressing them, I don't like his chances. Um, so I do think you have to take in the shit. But, but I, your mindset, look, if you're an NFL player, I remember somebody asking me a few years ago about uh, Reggie White, and I talk about Reggie, his son was the um, honorary captain of the team tonight with the Kelly green jerseys. And, you know, they were talking about somebody, Tim Irwin, who's an old school offensive lineman, being fearful of, of Reggie White. I said, he's not fearful of him. He just knows how great of a player he is. I don't know many NFL players that have fear, but they're also, they also recognize great players. And there's certain players and you know this, Seth, guys talk about, you know, a guy like Reggie, you know, from my perspective, I covered Randy Moss, guy like Randy. Um, they talk about him with reverence because they're different. And that's how NFL players talk about Tyreek Hill. He's different. 
And when NFL players talk about you like that, I take notice. And he deserves. He, he deserves. He, he's unbelievable. And as bad as Miami played, everybody you saw Tyree kill tonight and Nick Sirianni was first in line. They were just wowed by the guy. And you should be. And, John, I want to go back to the offensive side of the ball. I think throughout this season, the red zone offense wasn't great. They definitely picked that up here this evening. But consistently running the ball with their backs just has not been something they've been doing week after week. When is it time to go to the run game, especially if Jalen Hurts is a little bit banged up? Well, I thought they they came out running the football in this game, and they were pretty effective, certainly more effective than – they were against the Jets where they couldn't get anything going. DeAndre ended up with 62 yards. Kenny had the touchdown, uh, which was a really nice run. That pretty much clinched the game. Uh, so it was a little bit better, uh, but probably not to the level they wanted. And yeah, Jalen struggled a little bit in the running game because of the knee, um, most likely. but. They haven't really effective with the quarterback stuff. I think people are trying. They're more cognizant opposing defenses. Um, and then A.J. got hot. So, you know, they were very effective with Dallas Goddard early. Um, I just thought it was a, a, a solid game. I, I don't think it was a great game from an offensive perspective. But they jumped out to the 17-3 lead. Then they had to hiccup and you had to pick six. All of a sudden, you look up and say, uh-oh, 17-7, here comes the Dolphins. And the Eagles answer. And they do that a lot. Um, and all of a sudden, they're back up a touchdown. And, and, and as we know, Darius Slay, they had gone since week three without a turnover. And that was a great play by Slay. He kind of peeled off his own man to to dive off to the wheel route, pick off that pass. And from that point, the Eagles went on that 13 play, 83 yard drive with the two tush pushes. Um, They just stole the Dolphins will at that point. And I thought overall it was a pretty impressive performance against a team that probably isn't as good as their reputation, but you know, everybody in in, in the world thought this was the best offensive team in the NFL. And the Eagles held them to 10 points with Eli Ricks and Josiah Scott and Sidney Brown. Pretty impressive. That's pretty John, good. Yeah, that's pretty good. John, to, uh, to Kayla's point, there were some boos that came out of the building uh, in the first drive with some play calls. When they got into the red zone, they ran three running plays. In the yeah, third. the three yeah. straight runs. Yeah, yeah, the, thir- yeah. the third I mean, nine was a, was a Jalen Hurts keeper. Uh, and I know yeah. this is the, it's so far lost in, in the shuffle of this game, but uh, what did you think of that sequence and the booze and, and was the Nick no, asked about I, that? I get it because they were phenomenal from 20 to 20, and then they just bogged down in the red zone. So you said, here we go again. And, yeah, I think, you know, the Eagles need to evolve a little bit in the red zone, and they just have to, you know, instead of re- – they were so good in the red zone last year with the running game that I think they continue down this path of it will eventually click. 
and I think they have to start using the big bodies of A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard and maybe pass the ball on first down. And if you prove to the opposing defense, you'll do that occasionally, have some success with it. Then all of a sudden they'll back off and maybe the run game comes back in the red zone. Now, they did have the great touchdown to Dallas Goddard, which was a, a tight end bubble screen. Um, great blocks from Jordan, Mylotta, uh, A.J. Brown, and they sprung Dallas Goddard for a touchdown. So maybe that showed a little bit of evolution because that was their first t- touchdown. But I agree, they have to use uh, the passing game a little bit more and maybe they have to use a little bit more motion, which we talked about because Miami used so, so much and they use so little. Um, that's how you get guys sort of loose in condensed spaces. And the Eagles don't do that a lot. So maybe they have to evolve a little bit when it comes to that. But, you know, they, they beat this team pretty handily. So it's tough to complain today, but maybe you know, in Washington, when they typically let the commanders hang around more than they should, we can probably get back into more criticism of it. <laughs> hey, hey, Jim, we, we've come up, covered a lot of topics with you um, throughout this session, but in, in a broader scheme of things, give me one aspect of the game tonight that just resonates with you, that will stick with your mind leading up to the next game against the, the, the Washington commanders. Oh, the defensive front. I mean, I don't know, maybe because the numbers aren't there, the sack numbers. I mean, those guys just dominate games and started right away with Hassan Reddick. And you look at Hassan, this is the problem. If you only look at the box score, you see four tackles. And he had no sacks. And Nick even mentioned Hassan Reddick doesn't need a sack to to affect a game and you saw that today uh tackle for loss you know putting miami in a bad situation early in the game um he he even dropped in the coverage once had a great coverage rep and the pressures he puts on and then the guys who did get home josh sweat and you know josh had a tremendous game jalen carter was back but for a little bit but came back Man, those guys, you you see the numbers, 498 yards, 37 points a game, and I'll say it again. Miami had 244 total yards. They scored 10 points on offense. That wasn't because, with all due respect to Sidney Brown, who was a great guy, and I'm happy for him, his first NFL start, Eli Ricks, who was, I think, Seth points out, you know, just not afraid of anything, goes out there. Josiah Scott's here for a couple days, and he goes out there and performs. With all due respect to those guys, if they didn't have that pass rush, they would have got murdered. And they didn't because of that pass rush. Well, John, I I agree, but I also think that, you know, the pass rush and the coverage kind of go hand in hand because, you know, Tua wants to get the ball out of his hands, but there's nobody open that you got to give the pass rush time to, you know, the pass. That means that, you know, 
that those guys are covering downfield, the, the fact that they get there. And the fact that they get there means that, you know, they're getting there and they're preventing two of the time to get the ball down the field. Um, I, I'm just – I, I want to talk about, you know, the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, tonight the Eagles ran the ball statistically 31 times. No, 34 times and passed at 31, okay? Why – can you explain to me why it is, you know, the offensive play calling doesn't follow this mode of operation all the time? You know, I, I just don't get it because <clears throat> in the games where they've had some semblance of balance or where they've actually ran the ball, you know, slightly more than they've passed the ball, they've had success. The times, you know, where they try to get cute with, the, with it and throw a hell of a lot more than they actually run the ball – They've struggled and barely won some games, and the one game that they lost really bit them last week with 51 call pass plays to 18 call run plays. Yo, well, I think the run pass ratio in any game has more to do with the score in the fourth quarter. In other words, if you're up two touchdowns, it's probably going to look very balanced. Uh, if you're down two touchdowns or, or down two scores, it's going to look unbalanced because you're trying to pass the ball to get back in the game. So... Anytime the Eagles win, they generally look better in the run-pass ratio or look better to people that want them to have balance than whether they're either losing or in a tight game. Now, there's exceptions, um, and I think the Jets game was an exception because they tried to take advantage of a team that was missing its top four cornerbacks, so I think they took it to maybe a little bit of, of a... Uh, a more extreme degree because they were so competent in their ability to throw the football and it just didn't work out for them because they turned the football over too much. But um, for the most part, and I say this about any NFL game, because people ask me all the time, what's the run pass ratio going to be? Tell me what the score is in the fourth quarter and I'll tell you exactly what it's going to be. Because that, that, that to me is one of those things. In other words, you can come into a game, a game plan, and say, all right, we're going to get 64 plays. I'm going to throw it 32 times. I'm going to run it 32 times. And you could do that if you wanted to. But if you're down two touchdowns and you got to run it 12 more times, you're going to lose that game. You're probably going to lose it anyway. But you're going to do your best to try to get back in the football game. And that means passing the football and you know I always argue with fantasy football people or say Jalen Hurts does only had 22 touchdowns or doesn't throw for 300 yards well if you look at the quarterbacks that put up big numbers 350 400 even over 400 they're losing a lot of those games because you put up those numbers because you're behind trying to come back um, so it, it's kind of one of those things. I don't think you can come into a game and say, I got to run it 50% of the time. I got to pass it 50% of the times. One thing Jim Schwartz told me years ago that I've always stuck with games have personalities and Super Bowl 52 is a perfect example. Jim didn't want to give up 505 passing yards, but guess what? That was the personality of that game. It was a shootout. And you end up making one play to win it on defense. 
overall it was not a good defensive day, um, but that happens sometimes. So I don't think you can go into a game and say, I got to do this or I got to do that. You kind of get get the feel of the personality of that game. Week two in Minnesota is a perfect example of that. The Eagles came into that game with a different mindset. Brian Flores started playing light boxes, and they just said, all right, we're going to run the ball. And it worked. Um, Conversely, if people are going to load boxes, try to stop the quarterback run game, Eagles are going to try to take advantage of A.J. Brown, who, by the way, tied Calvin Johnson with a spit straight uh, game of 125 or more yards. So that's sort of the strength of this team. They could beat you anyway. And they usually, usually, not all the time, but usually take what the defense is giving. John, I tend to agree with you. I'm just going to throw this at you, you know, before I pass it to Kayla, I think. Um, You know, I, I, I agree. Each game does have a different personality. But the Eagles last week in that game against the Jets, they didn't they didn't trail in that game until the two minute and 30 second mark of the fourth quarter, you know. So there was no reason for them to be throwing the ball, especially on third and nine in that situation. There was no reason for them to continue to throw the ball against the 29th ranked team. You know, so over and over again, repeatedly, we see that when they, like early in the season when they struggle, week two and week three or week three and week four, where they couldn't throw the ball with any kind of consistency, they went to the run game. And then that allowed them week four and five or week three and four to actually get to a point where the, the, the passing game began to open up because teams had to honor the fact that they had just rushed for 200 yards in back-to-back weeks, you know. So I get it that there are situations, but, you know, your quarterback was struggling last week, and, and you know, you just kept throwing the ball. You just kept throwing the ball, you know, and, you know, now they got back to more balance, and I, and, and I agree. They probably don't look at the sheet and, sit and say, well, you know what? We've thrown the ball 10 times and we only ran it twice, so we need to balance it up. I get that. I get, I get that a play call doesn't look at it that way. But at some point in time, you know, you've got all these coaching staffs and all of these analytical people that are on staff. Somebody is keeping track of that kind of stuff. And when the defense is on the, on the, side, is on the field and the offense is on the sideline, you're looking at that and you're saying to yourself, man, we're out of balance a little bit. Maybe we're tipping, we're giving the, the, the defense – you know, a little bit of an advantage because we're throwing so much and we're, we're, throw, we're so throw heavy, you know, that the defense is seeing it and they're pinning their ears back and they're coming to get us and we can balance things up a little bit. That, that, that's the only point I get to because no matter what the circumstances are, the, the, the numbers are the numbers. The, 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 top, the top three teams in the National Football League right now, you know, have been this coming into this week was – the Miami Dolphins, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think anybody will disagree with that. They rank one, two, and three in run and, and, and yards per game rushing. There's no mystery to that. There's a reason why that is, and it's not just because they've been blowing people out. It's because that the run game, as much as people want to push it to the side and discount it, is a part of what makes them go. It's a part of what makes two ago they couldn't run the night so he couldn't get going the way he he had been going Brock Purdy looked average last week when Ch- Christian McCaffrey checked out of the game and it took away you know their play action pass 
you know, when the Eagles went pass heavy last week, it, it cost them their first loss of the season. So, I mean, there's statistical data that backs up, every, you know, whichever side you want to be on. Yeah, I, 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 well, I criticized Nick last week for not running the ball on third down, punting mainly because of the other side. I, I think there's always context to each individual matchup. And I know Zach Wilson's the quarterback on the other side, so I'm going to lay up. I'm not going for the green, I said. I'm going to lay up. I'm going to punt the football and say, all right, if this guy can go the length of the field to beat me, I'll tip my cap to him. I don't think he can do that. I, I think Nick has had so much success being aggressive. You saw it again today with the the tush pushes. You know, he's going for it on fourth and one for his at his own 26-yard line, I think, <laughs> on the first one. How many coaches do that other than Brandon Staley, who doesn't do it successfully because he can't do the tush push? Now, part of it is the Eagles are so successful at it. But... You know, Nick and he even said, you know, he was being aggressive. He wanted to go for the win. And he and he and he's been so successful. He's won so many games. I think there was a little bit of hubris and said, all right. And then also, but Seth, you also got to put it on a player. Jalen Hurts has to realize, even if I take a sack here, it's not the worst thing in the world. We can punt the football. You don't want to. You prefer, you know, if nothing is there, you know, maybe run the football for two or three yards, punt the football, live to play another down. So there's a lot of blame to go around. But, yeah, I mentioned last week they were probably got too extreme with it. But that was because you're going into a game saying, all right, they don't have Soft Gardner. They don't have T DJ Reed. They don't have their backups and you're down to third string corners and we have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. I would have thought the same thing. And that's where the personality of the game comes in. I would have thought that pregame, I did think it pregame, it didn't work out like that. And that's where you got to shift and say, all right, this is not our day. Let's get out of here with a win. And that's why the Eagles have one loss. And they shouldn't have one. But we're nitpicking at that point. And, John, I want to look ahead to next week really quick. Last time they played this commander's team way too close for comfort. I think we can all agree on that. Is there anything from this week that you need to see them clean up to try to go in there and get a victory and it not be some sort of trap game? Well, there's always things to clean up. I mean, they do need to be more. You know, we we keep talking about the red game, the the red zone, and that's got to get better. Uh, third downs, they, they've been clicking, you know, best team in the NFL since week five. They were at 62%. Now they were back down to four of 12, so they were really good early. Then they had a big lull on third downs. But first and foremost, we got to see if Jalen Hurts is healthy because if he's not healthy, that's going to be an issue. Um, because Marcus Mariota is not going to then, – then you start to worry. But, you know, Jalen played through it. He'll probably play through it again. Um, is he going to be 100% though? And Washington – Washington's a weird team. They tend to play the Eagles better in Philadelphia than they do in Washington. So maybe that helps. 
uh, the Eagles out a little bit. But if anybody saw the Commanders-Giants game this afternoon, they set football back about 50 years. So um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you're going to be too worried about Washington, um, but they always seem to keep it a little bit closer than it should be. Division game, I guess. John, thank you so much for your insights. We appreciate hanging out late with us. And, of course, uh, John is uh, brought to us by the great people at, uh, well, let's see, where are we? <laughs> Dry, Dry Tech? Dry Tech? I thought John was presented by DelVal Insurance. John, John's presented by everybody. John, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There you go. There's John McMullen. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We got game balls to give out with a little bit of a twist, maybe. Maybe we're not giving out game balls. Maybe we're giving out a special jersey. Yeah, that could be. That's coming up after this in the Pond the Hockey Eagles postgame show, live from Ocean. Back after this. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season and let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate predictions. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. 
It's a team game. And we have the best. All right, the game balls. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome back to the Pont Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino. Time for some game balls brought to us by Colony Pools. Check out the website flywithcolony.com. Let Colony Pools power wash your home and close your pool. you got to start closing those pools right now. Get your Red October pool cover for the Phillies who play tomorrow at 5 o'clock or your Kelly Green pool cover in honor of today's Kelly Green uniforms and the Philadelphia Eagles. And we are giving away, of course, game balls through that website, but – I'm going to make an executive decision here. Aha. Uh-huh. I think we should give away. Can we see the picture again? Can we put the picture up there, these handsome gentlemen? There you go. They're the Kelly Green All-Stars <laughs> of way back in the day. Seth was real <laughs> sentimental today about wearing the Kelly Green. He's number 21. No, he's number 59, I, I believe. <laughs> so we're going to give away. We can give away a Seth Joyner Kelly Green jersey, Ooh. and I will persuade him to sign it. No, no persuasion necessary. Yeah. Now, if you look at this picture, he's smiling, which right away is inaccurate. That's true. Because really, <laughs> what do you see? <laughs> Seth Joyner with a happy smile. Come on, Joe. Switch, switch, switch camera. <laughs> look at that. Uh, and here's my other question. Where are the, how come it's only you five in that picture? Where are the rest of it? Where's Wes? No, because you know, that where, was. Where's Andre? That was the year. That all five of us made this the Pro Bowl oh. as stars. Oh. That's, that's what that was. Okay. That's that's what that picture was. For. Okay, all right. <clears throat> and I I, I I saw a lot of smart aleck comments, you know, <laughs> on the show today. People want to know what happened to my hair. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. I can still grow that box. This is easy. I just shave this twice a week. This is easy. Oh, you mean to tell me you can still have that look? Absolutely. It won't look that dark, but it's it, I mean, you know. How many weeks would it take you? Because like we. I, we have to tell the rest of the season. It ain't ever happening. Like to see it, grow it ain't up. ever happening. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much gray. All right, so there you go. A Fifty-nine Eagles Kelly Green jersey uh, instead of a game ball. And, and all you, know, you have you to do never is give me a jersey. Fly with huh? Colony. You, never gave me a jersey. you ain't never give me no barbecue either. But we're not talking uh, about uh, me. We're talking uh, about uh, you. We're not talking about me. Hey, Mike, you ever had any D Guns barbecue? No, I, I see all the pictures. Oh, right? he, you know, whatever you choose. Whatever. <laughs> we'll take pictures of his hey, food, look, man. but never share it ever. Look, look, inflation and a lack of funds <laughs> have, have caused me to cut back on the, Whoa. the meat, meat I'll give you $100 to bring me some barbecue, bro. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a deal. Great offer. Oh, that's a deal. I'll give it to you right now. Uh, I'll, have it, I'll have it here next Sunday. D- all right. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That will be oh, great no, for no, all no. of us. No, I got a big charity event next Saturday, and we have a 1 o'clock game next Sunday. So? I can't do it. You're going to smoke it for 12 hours. Just put it on the smoke and leave it. No, nah, see, it don't work like that. You, know, you want the real D-Gun barbecue? Do I tell you how to? <laughs> Do I tell you how to analyze football? <laughs> then don't tell me how to smoke ribs. You do, you do tell them how to analyze football. That's what the show's Mike, about. Mike, Mike. Right out loud. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, get, get, the, the hooker, let's get the injury. On, let's get an injury report from the great Dr. Bruce Grossinger. Who jo- oh, oh, the oh they, we didn't do the game ball. Oh, yeah. Hold on, Dr. Bruce. I got all carried away with this 59 jersey. The game ball for me, it, it's, listen, it's, it's what, A.J. Brown gets it again. I mean, my man made a, a couple of tremendous catches, and I know the defense was key today, but I can't go away from A.J. D-Gun? No, five consecutive weeks, 125-plus receiving yards. 
Um, that's phenomenal. And, and the touchdown catch he made where he split the cent- defenders to get in the end zone, and that huge 42-yard reception with two guys draping over him tonight. You know, AJ, AJ's been the man. And obviously he is uh, Jalen's go-to guy. I second the most. I try not to. I try not to agree with you unless absolutely necessary, but in this case, I absolutely agree with you. I'm going with AJ in this game. <laughs> Thank you. I have to go with you guys too as well, and I just want to thank Tennessee in advance right now because having AJ Brown in Philadelphia is one of the best things that's ever happened to the city. AJ Brown this season, 809 receiving yards. Tennessee as a whole entire team, just 739, and that's with his game today as well. So when you look at A.J. Brown, how can you not give it to him? That catch and double coverage really comes up to me. I mean, this guy, week after week, no defense can game plan for him. I'm going to tell you how, Kayla, okay? I'm going to tell you how. Feast your ears on these numbers. Number one in, in total offense, 198 yards per game. 100 yards more than the team, the second place, the second rated team behind them. 80% in the red zone, mm. number one in the National Football League. 37 points per game, number one in the National Football League. 181 yards a game on the ground, number one in the National Football League. Preach it. 316 yards through the air, number one in the National Football League, and they lost their little skinny behinds in here. They had 12 first downs, 4 for 11 on third downs. That's 36%, okay? Perfection is 30, 33 or, or less, okay? 244 total yards, 45 on the ground, okay? And a net of 216 on the ground, okay? There's no way on God's green earth y'all going to turn around and give A.J. Brown, who had 15 targets tonight, he should have had the night that he had, and you're not going to give it to the defense? No. Y'all are straight mm-hmm. up crazy. I'm, I'm One, two, I'm and going three. A.J. all the way. I'm no going, defense. Hey, five consecutive games over 125 I don't care. yards. I, hey, listen. I'm if, not disputing what you throw said. The me, facts are the facts. Throw me 15 targets in the game, and I'm going to get you some yards, okay? Okay, but there's a reason why you played on defense and not all. <laughs> Nobody no, on re- that Eagles hey, team I got can 25, do that. I got 25 career touchdowns. Don't, I know. Don't, no, don't knock my hand. You mean the interception? Interception. Oh, you said touchdowns. Five, five touchdowns. Right, right. 25 career okay. interceptions. Don't but, knock my hand. No, okay? but you played defense. You know, that, that man, 125 yards, Seth. No, listen, you, Mike, I, I gave you the numbers. Huh? Come on, Mike. Didn't I sway you with them numbers? 25 interceptions is pretty significant. <laughs> no, he's talking about the numbers from the game tonight, man. <laughs> no, I, 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 um, I agree with you, actually. Yes, I, I agree, I agree with you. I, I, I probably made a mistake. Of course, I'm just trying to make you feel good since I'm kicking your butt in the e Oh, you can, <laughs> oh. you can have it, man. Oh, you have it. Oh, you probably paying people. All this stuff is to patronize you because you're losing in the contest, <laughs> the 59 jersey, the whole, the whole bit. All right, let's get uh, Dr. Bruce in here for an injury report. Uh, Dr. Bruce, the big one, uh, the quarterback put on a knee brace early in the third quarter. So uh, what did you see with him moving around, and, uh, and who else may have uh, been a little banged up today? In watching the game, uh, I saw him limping off the field, and I was concerned, obviously, about the knee. According to John McMullen, the original injury was in the Rams game, but he never showed up in the injury report. It looks to me like he has what's best called a knee strain or a patellofemoral syndrome. And this is something that basically all the uh, the ligaments and cartilage uh, portions are, are intact, but there's swelling and inflammation and he's playing through pain. 
So it's definitely a concern. And I think, as you know, Seth, when you play in the league and you see somebody with a knee brace, it's like uh, blood in the water and you're a shark. They go after it. And so I think it's definitely a concern. He's the most important player. But yet, if you're going to have a knee uh, that's going to be bad, you, you'd better have it on your uh, your left knee because he sure was able to plant and throw and, and tough it out with that 32-yard pass to A.J. And, uh, and I think that... Uh, that he was very crisp with his passes. and uh, But I think overall, the last couple of weeks, he's looked slow. And in retrospect, against the Jets, you know, he, he was feeling pain. So I think that's the key. Uh, he's he's the key injury. That's the person we'll be watching. So, so Dr. Bruce, when, when Jalen is asked a question, um, how, much, how much discomfort is it going to give you moving forward? And he says, we'll see. How do you interpret that? That means that he's being stoic. And normally you'd expect to say, no, it's perfectly fine. But he's also a very honest person. So there's no doubt he's going to get a lot of therapy, a lot of ice, Motrin, you know, ibuprofen. And um, and obviously when you play against the uh, commanders, that's a divisional game. That's going to be a real gritty game in, in Washington. And... Um, it, it, he's the most important player, and he had to do a lot of those quarterback sneaks, but he, he functioned very well, and uh, and I thought he was very accurate. You know, being at the game, he was really stepping into his throws, and uh, the connection between A.J. Brown and Jalen was it was great to watch. You know, Dr. Bruce, you know, Jalen is, is a warrior. Um, I'm not worried about him, but I'm not even worried about this other warrior either. Um, Lane Johnson gave up his first sack um for this season um you know and he's dealing you know with a high ankle sprain and a lot of people thought he wasn't going to play he determined early in the week that he was going to play um how long can we expect lane to be um hampered by this because you know taking on washington next week you know they've got you know three first round draft picks at defensive ends these guys you know can really get after the passer yeah, and, and also looking uh, well about Lane, he's going to be a lot of tape and a lot of ice, but but he is a warrior, and uh, I'm also concerned obviously about uh, Cam Jurgens' spot. You know that's uh, Sua Peta uh, really looks like he's struggling there, so that's a concern on on that right side. And I think Lane is is going to step up and, and play well, but when you have an ankle strain, as you know, it's something the ligaments get inflamed. And he's going to, just like Jalen, he's going to need a lot of therapy to his ankle during the next week. Dr. Bruce, I want to stay with Lane Johnson real quick because his injury, some people it takes four to six weeks to be able to fully recover. When do you think we'll be able to see him at 100%? Do they limit him a little bit in practice as well to try to get him ready for weeks going on? Well, I just want to clarify one thing. The original diagnosis was a high ankle strain, and it was amended to be, and that's a great question, a lateral ankle strain, which is more of a, uh, a grade one strain. So I, I would expect, you just never know when somebody's going to be 100%, but I expect the therapy they're going to get there is going to be exceptional. He's going to get a ton of stim, ultrasound, ice, and work, and they're going to tape, they're going to tape the heck out of that ankle. But... It, again, you know, when you play that position, you're 6'3 and 300 pounds, there's a lot of repetitive straight. So that's kind of a hard question to answer as to 
Dr. Bruce, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate the insight on the injuries, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week. Go to bed. Thanks a lot. I think I will. Have a All good right. night, everybody. All right, Dr. Bruce Grossinger with our injury report today. Uh, we'll come back, and we'll, uh, well, we'll put a wrap on this and also go over the drive of the game, which really, in my mind, uh, uh, won the game for the Eagles. We'll talk about that. And uh, future games coming up, including the Commanders next week, right here on the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show from Ocean Casino back after this. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's. My wife was in an accident that changed our lives forever. She was in rehabilitation for years. She had to learn to walk again. She couldn't take care of herself. We couldn't afford a nurse. We were running out of options. One conversation with Pond Lee Hockey changed everything. They understood what we were going through and immediately helped us navigate the legal process. We can't thank them enough. Pond Lee Hockey, tell us your story. They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Some say courage is something you're born with. Others say courage is something you find. In every generation throughout history, courage has been celebrated, sought after, needed. It holds the potential for a life of impact. But what if courage isn't just something you hope for or stumble upon? What if courage is something that can be shaped at a place that inspires you, where leaders invest in you, your community believes in you, and your life becomes something bigger than it could ever be alone. The perfect pair. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, welcome back to the Pond La Hockey 
post-game show live from Ocean Casino. I'm Mike Missinelli with Derek Gunn and Seth Joyner and Kayla Santiago. The Eagles win today 31-17, a pretty significant win for them where they just shackled this high-powered Miami offense and made them look kind of ordinary, and now they move on. Uh, it is time now for uh, our drive of the game. It's presented by Rafferty Subaru. Uh, check out the nonprofit that they have going right now at Rafferty. It's so good now. S-O-W, good now. Nonprofit supported heavily by the great Rafferty family. All right, the drive of the game, guys. Um, two drives, really, that, that sealed the fate of the Miami Dolphins. The one that put the Eagles ahead 24-17, a 75-yard drive which featured a 25-yard pass to Devontae in that drive, but also a third and seven to Dallas Goddard, which got the ball to the 14. And then after the slay pick, the Eagles get the ball. It's not great field position. They get it at the 17. They eat up tons of clock. They go 83 yards on 13 plays. They eat up six minutes and 35 seconds, and they get the touchdown. And in that drive, of course, was the bomb to A.J. Brown with Jalen with a guy in Jalen's face, and that got him to the eight-yard line. Then Gamewell got it to the three, and then Gamewell with a nice spin move for the touchdown. They were my two drives of the game, and Miami was, was pretty quiet offensively during that whole span. Um, it, it, you, you picked two great drives, and obviously they were the two definitive drives of the game. But if I have to narrow it down to one, I'm going to go with the one that broke the tie. Miami gets the momentum. They get the deflected uh, interception for a touchdown. All of a sudden, they have momentum on their side. The Eagles take it right back. They go right down the field in what was probably their shortest drive of the game. It was only a three-minute, 47-second drive. And they punch it in and take it right back. And from there, it was, it was the Eagles' ball game. I thought that was such a pivotal point of the game because anything could have happened after that. Eagles could have gone three and out, could have been anything. But the Eagles reasserted themselves. They went run, pass, pass, run, and then pass the rest of the way for the go-ahead touchdown, which put them up for good. I think going back and forth with that, too, it has to be the drive for me that A.J. Brown was able to get that reception and double coverage, and then they go all the way to the end zone and finish it off with the running play. Being able to see that, I think, especially how Jalen Hurts is a little bit gingerly. We talked about him limping a little bit, especially towards the end of that game. And then all of a sudden, this man has no fear whatsoever. He gets hit, throws a bomb perfectly to A.J. Brown, and then they're able to finish that off. That was probably, for me, the most exciting drive of the whole game. I think the... The last touchdown that they scored, the um, um, 13 plate, um, 83 yard. I mean, mm -hmm. because that's the ser that's the one that broke the Miami Dolphins back and broke their will, because you go from a one touchdown game to a two, two touchdown game, and then I think they only had um, two four minutes and 40 seconds left in the game, um, and then Miami goes you know four and out on on downs. So I think that that's the to me that's the game that's that's the series that just that just did it, did them in because at that point they know that they're down two touchdowns and the Eagles are just eating up a massive amount of the clock and even if they do score a touchdown there's not going to be enough time for them to, to to come back that psychological you know edge that that second touchdown that that two touchdown lead creates now puts them in a situation where they might not even believe that they can come back and win this game. So I think that was the backbreaker for me. You know, uh, Tyreek Hill came into this game with monster numbers, 135.7 yards per game and 19.4 yards per catch. He had 88 yards on 11 receptions. And it, when you know, listen, he got 
a touchdown was called back where he beat Slay for a touchdown, but there was a hold on the play, and then he fumbled the one, which was another short touchdown. So they may have gotten fortunate there. But holding him to 88 yards after it looked like the when they started out, it looked like there was no way they are going to be able to cover this guy all game long. No, but you know what? There's two other games where he was held to under 65 yards receiving, and they lost one of those games. It was to Buffalo. So some teams have had a measure of success against them. Um, but he is, I think he's the most dangerous wide receiver in the game today. His hesitation move off the line of scrimmage, off the snap, and his ability to kick that second gear in a matter of set, uh, st uh, steps is second to nobody. And you're talking about great wide receivers across the board in this league, but this guy's an exception to the rule. There's a reason why they call him the cheater. I want to go back to Seth's point before, too. He gave the game ball to the defense. You look at Sean Desai right now, it's the same exact thing we see every single week, those second-half adjustments, those in-games adjustments. It's his first year as a defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, and when you're able to, quote-unquote, contain a guy like Tyreek Hill towards the end of that game, that's a tough job, and Sean Desai has been doing fantastic in those in-games adjustments for the past three weeks. Oh, so you changing your game ball? Oh, too. I'm not. No, I'm not. A.J. Oh, Brown okay. still gets it. Okay. That dude is for real, but I do have to say the defense stepped up because of Sean Desai and what he's able to do hey, so listen, far. Same thing. I mean, that's, that's, why, that's why, to me, the defense gets the game ball because they've been able to do what few teams have been able to do, you know, with, with, with Tyreek Hill. And that's to hold him under 100 yards in a game where he got 15 targets. Usually, if you give him 15 targets, he's going to get 150 to darn near 200 yards in a game. That's just the way he rolls, man. And the Eagles shut him down. All right, let's, let's look ahead. I Believe it or not, next Sunday is the last 1 o'clock game for the Eagles. Oh. They're, they're so good – you can't even schedule them at 1 o'clock. It's like a come down. you got to put them in, in a better time slot where more eyeballs on them. So the com at the Commanders, which I don't think will be any kind of a problem, and I know they played them tough the first time. I think the Eagles learned a lesson. And then we get into this. Dallas, uh, 425 game. Kansas City, the night game, the 815 uh, Monday. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, the San Francisco 49ers, and at Dallas and at Seattle again. My God. Yeah, we're riding high right now. The Eagles are 6-1. and one, But now they have to go into those really rough waters. How are you feeling about that? Well, it, it all depends on the health of Jalen and how healthy they can get that secondary. Um, because navigating those type of teams week in and week out could be a problem. Up to this point, Sean Desai has done a great job of navigating that and piecemealing the back end of that defense. But they have to get some stability back there soon enough. It, 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 it's one of those seasons. You know, somebody comes off an injury list, another guy, two other guys are going on. Um, it, it's going to be rough. I, I think overall they have the talent to win more than they lose in that stretch. But as we see, you know, looking, looking around the league today at some of the games where, where favorites were upset, you just never know what the heck's going on. That's why I'm not a betting man, Mike, because I lose my <laughs> shirt, you know, trying to bet these games. Yeah, because you know what it is. You use football logic like me. Yeah. And there's anything, there's anything but common sense and logic going on in the NFL right now. It seems like teams are winning games that they shouldn't win. Like, who in the world thought that, you know, the Lions would go into, into Baltimore and get stomped the way they got stomped because they would all of a sudden they, they might be the best team, you know, NFC. Not, you know, but the only team really that, that's, that scares me is Kansas City. 
that's, le that's left in that gauntlet. Because San Francisco, if McCaffrey's not healthy and Debo Samuel's not healthy, you know, it creates one of those situations where, like I said earlier, Brock Purdy can be real average if he doesn't have that running game that sets up the play-action pass. Um, now, that game's down the road, so they may have time to heal. No, absolutely. Before that game. Uh, absolutely. And but, the thing about Kansas City, the Eagles do have a bye before that Kansas City game. So that's that's important, mm -hmm. I think, the rest. Yeah, right. but, you know, you're also playing against the best quarterback in the National Football League, you know, and, 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 and in all probability right now, probably the best head coach in the National Football League. And they find a way, you know, to beat you up and destroy you and take apart what it is that you do. Um, you know, the, the Dallas game, hey, you know, we'll probably split with Dallas again, you know. And, and people may say, oh, you know, we're going to win both. But a split, you know, would be cool. If we can get both of them, even, even that much better. Um, but I think, you know, I think they come out of there unscathed. I mean, if they can get to Seattle, um, if one, two, three, four, five, six, if they can come through that six game, you know, the next six games with a, you know, five and one, four and four and two record, um, I think they, they'd be happy because I think once they get to Seattle, I think they run the table from there. I honestly can't wait for this stretch because I think the biggest thing from last year was the Eagles played absolutely nobody. Their schedule is so easy. That's how they got to the Super Bowl. Now you're really going to see what Jalen Hurts is made of, and you hope that he goes into these games fully healthy. We don't know if that's going to be the case. The only team I'm really worried about is the Chiefs just because that high-motored offense that they have. I don't know if the secondary of the Eagles is going to be able to contain it. I'm not worried about the Bills. I don't think Josh Allen's going to be able to play with this Eagles defensive front. I just don't. I think he split with the Cowboys as well. The Commanders next week, that doesn't bother me either. Honestly, I'm only worried about the Chiefs. I think the 49ers are a team not to be worried about. For whatever reason, they have the Eagles living rent-free in their head. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. One more time, I need to see the picture, Joe. Can we, can we flash the picture? I, I got to tell you, every time I'm looking at this camera, we have this big photo board of, of uh, that right there. And every time I look up, the first guy that I see is Seth. That's Seth's smiling face. It's been, it's been kind of disconcerting to me to, today to see. I'm looking up, boom, and there he is, a smiling face. I was like, I don't know that guy. I don't know that smiley face. You know this guy? I don't know that smiley face. <laughs> you know this guy? <laughs> no. Hey, Seth, that's you know that's, this, that's, that's a, you know, you know this guy? Oh, that's a fantastic <laughs> picture. And no, all five of you right there uh, have a special place in, in, in Eagle fans' heart. That picture. Miss my really, brothers, man. Yeah, it really is. I and mean, there's Clyde and all Eric five Allen of them. And, and Jerome it's, and Seth and it's five and of them White. gone, man. I miss them all. Yeah, wow. that, that's a great photo. Uh, all right, thanks everybody for uh, staying up late with us, and uh, we'll uh, check out next week at a normal time. This is the Pond La Hockey uh, Eagles post game show. I'm Mike Missinelli for Seth Joyner and for Derek Gunn for Kayla Santiago and Mark Farzetta and a cast of thousands that produced this show. Thanks so much for hanging out with us and uh, have a great night everybody and a great week and we'll talk to you next week go, go for the pulse and the pools go for the ooze and the oz go for the bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. 
the greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. 